Good evening. Let's call to order the special council meeting closed session of November 28, 2023 at 5.32 p.m. The strongly, the city strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our meetings. Sunnyvale prides itself on the rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our diverse community feel included, safe, and respected. This city council meeting is considered a limited public forum, which means the council can regulate the time, place, and manner of speech to prevent our meetings from being disrupted. This protects the rights of other speakers and ensures the council can accomplish its business in a reasonably efficient manner. Speaker comments must be limited to the agenda item being considered by the council. The presiding officer will make a determination as to whether a speaker's comment is related to an agenda item being considered by the council. If a speaker does not comply, the presiding officer will rule the speaker out of order. The presiding officer will not rule speech out of order because the presiding officer disagrees with the content of the speaker's speech. Before we get started, I'd like to remind participants of some procedural items for this meeting. During the meeting, remote participants will remain muted when not speaking. If remote participants have a question or comment, please use the raise hand feature. Speakers will be called upon to speak one at a time. Members of the public may participate in person, online, or by telephone to provide public comment. Please submit a speaker card to the city clerk in person or use the raise hand feature online to request to speak, star nine on a telephone. Location and online meeting details are available on the council agenda. Captions are available to viewers accessing this meeting via Zoom. Captions can be displayed using the show captions button. Following the closed session, the regular council meeting will begin at 7 p.m. We encourage the public to stay tuned and participate in the study session and regular meeting. City Clerk, may we please have the roll call. Mayor Klein. Present. Vice Mayor Dean. Here. Councilmember Melton. Councilmember Cisneros. Councilmember Mellinger. Present. Councilmember Srinivasan. Present. Councilmember Sell. Present. Five present. Thank you. And for the record, uh, for Councilmember Cisneros and Melton, those are excused absences. Uh, members of the public will now have an opportunity to address council on the closed session items. Members of the public wishing to address council, please submit a speaker card to the city clerk, raise your digital hand now, or dial star nine on a telephone to indicate you wish to speak. I will call on members of the public participating in person first, then the city clerk will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address council. Speakers will have three minutes to speak. Uh, is there anyone, I have no speaker cards in person. City Clerk, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak? No, Vice Mayor. Thank you. I will go ahead and close public comment. Uh, Council will now adjourn to closed session. See everyone back here at 7 p.m.
Good evening. Let's call to order the council meeting of November 28th, 2023. Uh, the, city, this, the city strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our meetings. Sunnyvale prides itself on the rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our diverse community feel included, safe, and, and respected. Good evening. Good evening. Let's call to order the council meeting of November 28, 2023. We'll pause. Uh, the, city, this, the city strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate <laughs> disruptive behavior in our meetings. Sunnyvale prides itself on the rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our diverse community feel included, safe, and, and respected. Good evening. Good evening. Let's call to order the council meeting of November 28, 2023. Uh, the, city, this, the city strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our meetings. Sunnyvale prides itself on the rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to life a culture of belonging where members of our diverse community feel included, safe, and, and respected. Good evening. Let's call to order the council meeting on November 28, 2023. Pause. Uh, the city, this, the city, you can all do shadow puppets. So, at some point in the next few moments, I will figure out where exactly that live stream is coming from. It's an infinite loop for those of you that are <laughs> computer programmers. We can all do shadow puppets. So, at some point in the next few moments, I will figure out. See, there's me. Okay. Live stream is coming from. Good evening. It's an infinite loop for those of you that are. <laughs> All right, let's see. Is it? So, at some point in the next few moments, I will figure. See, there's me. Okay. Stream is coming from. Good evening. It's an infinite loop for those of you that are. <laughs> All right, let's see. Okay, council members, now that it has been silent for a few moments, we will see if potentially our uh, audio loop has been resolved. Don't say good evening. <laughs> good I think I think we're good. I'm not hearing uh, I'm not hearing myself or the mayor multiple times over and over so. We'll try this once more. Um, 
I'll start at the stop at the top of the at the script, but I won't I won't say the deep. Uh, let's call to order the council meeting of November 28, 2023, at 7:13 p.m. Uh, the city strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our meetings. Sunnyvale prides itself on the rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our diverse community feel included, safe, and respected. This council meeting is considered a limited public forum, which means that council can regulate the time, place, and manner of speech to prevent our meetings from being disrupted. This protects the rights of our speakers and ensures that council can accomplish its business in a reasonably efficient manner. Speaker comments must be limited to agenda item, to the agenda item being considered by council for consent calendar or public hearing items. Speaker comments during oral communications must be limited to matters within the city council authority to address, generally referred to as within the council's subject matter jurisdiction. The presiding officer will make a determination as to whether a speaker's comments it is related to the, an agenda item being considered by the council or to a matter within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council during oral communications. If a speaker does not comply, the presiding officer will rule the speaker out of order. The presiding officer will, officer will not rule the speech out of order because the presiding officer disagrees with the content of the speaker's speech. Before we get started, I'd like to remind participants of some procedural items for this meeting. During the meeting, remote, remote participants will remain muted when not speaking. If remote participants have a question or a comment, please use the raised hand feature. Speakers will be called upon to speak one at a time. A random order voice vote will be administered by the city clerk for each vote. Members of the public may participate in person, online, or to provide public comment. Public comment, uh, please submit a speaker card to the city clerk in person or use the raised hand feature online to request to speak, star nine on your telephone. Location and online meeting details are available on the council agenda. Captions are available to viewers accessing this meeting via Zoom. Captions can be displayed using the show captions button. Comments on matters not on the agenda are, or related to the presentation agenda item must be submitted prior to the time I call the item for oral communications. Comments on agenda items must be submitted prior to the time I close the public hearing on that agenda item. Speakers are requested to keep their comments to no more than three minutes and time limits will be strictly enforced. Guidelines are posted on the city's website and on the council meeting agenda. First, please join me in a salute to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, Next is roll call. City Clerk, may we please have roll call. Mayor Klein. Present. Vice Mayor Dean. Present. Councilmember Melton. Present. Councilmember Cisneros. Councilmember Mellinger. Present. Councilmember Srinivasan. Present. Councilmember Sell. Present. Six present with Councilmember Cisneros absent. Thank you, and please note for the record that uh, Councilmember Cisneros has an excused absence. Um, Vice Mayor, may we please have the closed session report? Thank you. Uh, Councilman, closed session on two items related to uh, performance evaluations for employees, and there is nothing to report. Thank you. Uh, next, we have two special orders of the day. First up 
is our ceremonial oath of office for our commission members. City Clerk, please lead the ceremonial oath of office. Thank you, and if I can have the boarding commission members that are present come join me at the podium, and then we have uh, at least one member who is joining us remotely. Please raise your right hand, and after I state the oath, please respond, I do. You solemnly swear or affirm to support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California, and to faithfully discharge your duties as a board and commission member to the best of your abilities? I do. Yes, I do. Thank you. Congratulations on your appointment to being a board and commission member. Congratulations to our new commissioners. Um, next up is a recognition of Chief Von No for the 2023 Department of Public Safety Citizens Academy. Let me come up to the lectern. Before we continue tonight's meeting, uh, we have a special recognition. I'd like to invite Chief Fon No, uh, Director of, Depart of our Department of Public Safety to join me here on the lectern. Um, this year, from August 10th, and, and other public safety officers. Uh, this year, from August 10th through September 28th, the Department of Public Safety hosted 17 residents for the 2023 Citizens Academy. They attended three hours of instruction each week. Uh, the Citizen, Citizens Academy provides an overview of our unique public safety model, which integrates police, fire, and emergency medical services. While topics included, but were not limited to, cold case homicide investigations, the drone program, and emergency fire operations, the main focus this year were use of force in de-escalation. Students also received hands-on training. Uh, they saw a live burn of a small structure, used fire equipment, and went through the forced options simulator, where they had to make split-second decisions on whether to de-escalate, apply force, or both in a simulated environment. Tonight, we have some of this year's students here with us, including Councilmember Sell, to recognize Chief No, Councilmember Sell. Please come forward. Hi, I'm Councilmember Sell, and I was lucky enough to be able to take the Citizens Public Safety Academy with my many classmates. It provided me and the others in the class with a look inside public safety department's fully integrated model of police, fire, and EMT. We saw firsthand the fine-tuned expertise training that public safety staff in various departments, including police, fire, 
communications, dispatch, investigation services, and operations conducted. The many hours of training, preparation, planning results in a public safety staff that is always ready, especially in the most critical time to protect our community. This integration of operations, this perfection of procedures allows the department to provide effective fire, police, emergency medical services seamlessly to our community. Sunnyvale has a long time reputation as one of the top 10 safest communities in the United States cities. And we have our public safety who has many positive outcomes to contribute to that reputation of safety. So I have a little comb. I am honored to present this plaque that the class would like to give to Chief No. We also um, need a donation to the Public Safety Foundation for your excellence in your day-to-day -day operations and especially for the extra projects that you perform, including providing the Citizens Public Safety Academy. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. When I first heard that um, there was going to be an award, um, you know, recognizing the Citizens Academy, um, I felt that um, it was important to have the entire team here because it takes a lot of people to make it happen. And I just want to recognize the individuals up here, Captain Chris Ketchum, who is the lead project. He was in charge of putting together the entire program. Uh, Lieutenant Tony Serrano, who did most of the instructions. I think he was the most popular instructor, you know, in the academy. Uh, Lieutenant Mark Jorgensen, who helped out, out quite a bit with some of the training courses that he participated in. Uh, Deputy Chief Dan Pistor, who made frequent visits to the academy. And Deputy Chief um, Hank Sue, who provided support uh, and guidance with his staff with this academy. Also, Deputy Chief Ava Fanuki, who provided support, and she couldn't be here be here today. And uh, last but not least, Norma Amaro of the DPS staff members who participated. Uh, as you can see, she's our social media person. She's there almost every single class taking pictures and videos to document the great academy. Uh, I also have a few other people to thank. I want to thank the council for the support for this uh, program since its inception in probably 2017. Uh, I want to thank the mayor who participated in one of our academies. I want to thank uh, Councilmember Linda Sell for your participation. Even our city manager got into the act and he participated in um, one of our sessions also. But most importantly, I want to thank all, all of you who participated in our last academy because without you, we wouldn't have this program. And uh, I, I asked you guys last time to please promote this program because we want to continue this program. Uh, for many years to come, and so help us recruit the next class. Thank you.
Thank you, Chief. And stay here, stay here for just a moment. We're going to do a few photos. But, but you know, on behalf of City Council, I just want to say thank you to to the Chief and all all the officers who worked on this program. These it's programs like this that make our city unique. And you know, and, and it's with sincere gratitude that that the officers basically educate our residents and 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 basically make the bridge those barriers with our community, which which ultimately, in my opinion, uh, makes it a safe city. So it's because of these efforts that really uh, pay, pay back to the community and, and make a difference. And so before you leave, everybody come up, all the, all the, all the current students, the graduates, please come up and take final photos. Everybody sideways, take, take, step, take steps back. Everybody should take it. It's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Next, we have a presentation. Um, the 2023 Municipal Information System Association of California Awards presented by MESAC board member, Gorag Garg. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, Council, City Manager. Um, I'm very pleased to be here this evening. My name is Gorav Garg. I'm the Chief Information Officer with the City of Santa Clara. But tonight I'm here in the capacity of being a State Board Member of, the, of MESAC, the Municipal Information Systems Association of California. MESAC is a statewide organization with membership exceeding 1,800 information technology professionals representing 360 cities and special districts. The association was founded in 1980 to promote effective and efficient municipal government through cooperation among municipal technology professionals via its four pillars of education, member resources, relationships, and advocacy. The Excellence in IT Practices program is one such resource. This is a recognition program designed to foster and distinguish outstanding IT service delivery and governance practices. 
It requires the submission of a detailed questionnaire examining practices across a dozen key subject areas containing over 100 questions. Evaluation criteria are updated every year to incorporate new standards and best practices so applicants are held to the highest standards. And evaluations are scored and depending on their merit may receive one of two levels of award. The achievement award level signifies the agency meets standard best practices, while the much tougher excellence award signifies the agency's practices exceed local government standards. On behalf of MISAC, it is my distinct pleasure to recognize Kathleen Foster, Butte Foster G, Chief Information Officer and her team, and present the City of Sunnyvale with MISAC's Award for Excellence in Information Technology Practices. This is the sixth time for the City of Sunnyvale to win this Excellence Award. Of the many agencies that applied this year, only 18 California agencies received this award this year. Congratulations, Kathleen and team. You are the silent heroes working behind the scenes and on the forefront in making Sunnyvale a better, stronger city through information technology. Well done. Mayor, I now present the award to you, the city council, city staff, Kathleen, and the IT team. Thank you. Thank you, Grav, for this award and to actually our mayor as well as council members and our city manager and staff. It is really a great honor and being IT executives as well as professionals, we know that a lot of our work is behind the scenes. And so I just wanted to go ahead and take a chance to recognize the team today. With me I have our infrastructure manager, Will Guitarte as well as our Applications and Analytics Manager, Deedain Gandhi. Anna Lewis is our Admin Manager. She could not make it this evening, so we're very excited to receive this, but really it's the staff. Um, IT staff at our department is hardworking and a small but very mighty team, and we're glad to support you in every way, shape, or form. So we will continue to achieve greatness and exceed all expectations as much as possible, so thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Kathleen. Congratulations. Next is oral communications. Uh, members of the public will now have an opportunity to address council on topics not listed on tonight's agenda. Um, this section is limited to 15 minutes and may be extended or continued after the public hearing general business section of our agenda. Individuals are limited to one appearance with a maximum up to one minute per speaker, as we did last week. A reminder to the public, please submit a speaker card to the city clerk. Raise your digital hand now or dial star nine on your telephone if you wish to address council. I will call on members of the public participating in person first, and then the city clerk will ask remote participants to unmute the microphone when it's their turn to address council. 
Speakers will have one minute to speak. As stated at the beginning of the meeting, this council meeting is considered a limited public forum and council can regulate the time, place, and manner of speech. Speaker comments during oral communications must be limited to matters within the city's city council's authority to address, generally referred to as within the city's subject matter jurisdiction. As a reminder, this is a safe place for all speakers. There should be no clapping and no booing. We want everyone to be respectful of whoever is speaking. Whether you agree or disagree with what that speaker is saying, they have a right to speak without disruption. If a speaker does not speak to a matter within the council's subject matter jurisdiction, the presiding officer will, will rule the speaker out of order to allow the city council to conduct its business in a reasonably efficient manner and to protect the rights of other speakers. The presiding officer will not rule speech out of order because the presiding officer disagrees with the content of the speaker's speech. Um, with that, um, I have, and I, what I'll be doing is reading the two speakers. So the first person come to the lectern and the, and the next person please waiting, be waiting a little bit behind them so we can make this efficient as possible. Uh, first up is Hillel, by, followed by Ida J. My name is Hillel, and uh, I'm uh, like to say something about the children of Israel after the letter that few members here signed. So I just like to say that uh, children of Israel was beheaded, burned, and kidnapped by Hamas, and the children of Gaza was not targeted by Israel. They were just hiding behind rockets and behind something that Israel tried to uh, eliminate. And Israel tried to evacuate them and tell them to, and that Hamas stopped them from doing it. So Israel never tried to uh, kill any children, but the Hamas, what they did on October 7th, was targeted and they tried to kill children. Okay, so that's all. And the other thing is uh, on Gaza Street on September, uh, October 7th, they celebrate the murder of their thing. And please do not forget that on September 11, 2001, on Gaza Street, they celebrated the murder of 3,000 Americans. So this is the, the, their support of really thing. Okay, one minute. Thank you. Um, next is Ida J, followed by Yaren I. Hello, and thank you for the opportunity. My name is Ido. I'm a Sunnyvale resident for the past seven years. My kids were born here, they're attending city schools, and I love the city and always felt um, good and happy to call it my house and my home, and was very proud that it was um, declared many times as the safest city in the United States. Um, unfortunately, I can't say anymore that I feel safe and welcome in my city, in my community. Since the Hamas attack on October 7, we see the rise of anti-Semitic um, 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 attacks around the Bay Area and in California. Um, and to add to this, learning that um, some city council members decided to sign a one-sided, not related to city, um, to um, any city agenda um, statement, um, really makes us feel not safe and um, not as home as it was before. And I urge the council to make sure that Israeli and Jewish institutions in the city are protected and that our safety is important for you. Thank you. Uh, next is Yaren J, Yaren I, followed by 
Esther L. My name is Yareen, and I've been um, Sunnyvale resident for the past six years. Um, I'm here to comment on a recent petition that was signed by the city on October 7th. Hamas, um, a terror organization, killed 1,400 innocent civilians, raped and beheaded people. Um, this is a terror organization that uses its people, Palestinian and Palestinian children, as human shields, kill everyone who disagree with them, and kill everyone who try to escape. They planned this attack for two years and didn't build even one shelter for its people. Can you While focus on, on Sunnyvale or, or your request to council? Yes. Um, if you care about Palestinian children, you need to support Israel in its battle against Hamas. And I call this council to publicly, publicly condemn Hamas and to support bringing back the Israeli hostages. Thank you. Next is Esther L. followed by Roni. Thank you. I have been a Sunnyvale resident for the past six and a half years. My boys attend Stockholm Elementary School. And as an Israeli and a Jew living in Sunnyvale, I have to tell you, I am fearful. And um, anti-Semitic incidents in the US are up over 300% since October 7. Millions of pro-Palestinian protesters on the streets are calling for intifada, which is uh, violent resistance, and from the river to the sea, which uh, calls for the elimination of Israel. And uh, most of my Jewish friends took off their mezuzah, so they won't be targeted. Jewish businesses uh, were vandalized in San Francisco. A Jewish protester was murdered by a pro-Palestinian protester in LA. Campuses are no longer safe for Jewish students. Uh, you talk about diversity and inclusion, and yet the city chose not to condemn the horrific terror uh, attack against Israel by the murderous uh, terrorist organization and signing a declaration against Israel. Uh, which is adding um, fire. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, Roni followed by Pav, sorry, Paz B. It's so great to see your focus today on public safety, bridge uh, bridging the barriers with the community and making a difference. Thank you, first responders and Sunnyvale Council for your investment. As a Sunnyvale voting resident for more than 11 years, the recent rise of anti-Semitism in our community and school is terrifying. Seeing Sunnyvale residents and school personnel publicly supporting the attack on Israel on October 7 and calling for killing Jewish people in the United States is terrifying. I can no longer safely walk in the city streets with a sign, I am Jewish. I wore a necklace with a Star of David the other day and received so many hatred looks, I don't dare to wear it again. Shopping in some of our local malls on Black Friday was not safe for Jewish people. I'm so proud to see the focus today on public safety emergency personnel, and I would like to understand how our council is planning to fight anti-Semitism to allow us all to live here together and maintain this wonderful and diverse community. Thank you. Next is uh, Paz B, followed by SDR. Good evening, Mayor, City Council, staff. I'm going to deviate from my notes because I heard things that were said here and I think they are more important. I heard that Sanibel is one of the top 10 safest cities. I heard that this is a safe place for all to speak. And I heard we should focus on Sunnyvale. I've been a resident here for 23 years and I've owned my home for almost 19. I have four kids, all grown up here, going to school, playing soccer, theater, and everything in between. We love this city, we called it a home, 
because it was safe and it was a place for families to live happily. I'm here because I wanted to share that I was here two weeks ago in this very room and it didn't feel safe for everyone anymore. I was very concerned, I was very worried, and I hope you have a plan. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, SDR followed by Julie Y. Thank you, thank you all for your service. I'm a Sunnyvale resident and a voter for 17 years. My youngest is at Homestead High. We've always loved Sunnyvale, but it's become less hospitable to Jews since October 7th. I want to address the Gaza statement that many of my neighbors previously thanked you for signing. It's an incredible failure of context. I'm surprised that members of this city council would think it okay to sign on to a misleading statement limited to Gaza with no mention of what preceded it. Was the Hamas and Gaza citizen invasion and brutal butchering, torturing, raping, maiming, and beheading of Israeli babies, families, and elderly proudly filmed by Hamas? Humanity is the continued holding of hostages, of, including Americans, going on eight weeks humanity. You've signed on to a statement that picks a moment in time of responding to the most savage terrorism we've seen in our lives, with Israel responding by rooting it out and destroying it, even while Hamas human shields Gazans by embedding themselves under hospitals and schools. The wave of Jewish hatred right here in our country on top of this horrific attack is insane. Thank and Thank you. Julie Y, followed by Maya E. Hello, my name is Gili Alom. I'm a citizen and a Sunnyvale resident for the last nine years. I have two kids in the great Christa McAuliffe School. Not long ago, the Asian community in the area felt threatened and the entire Bay Area stood along uh, with them. Today I'm here because now it's the time for our beloved city to support the Jewish community. In the last few weeks, my family is starting to be scared for our life. Last week, I was driving back from San Francisco when a nearby demonstrators were shouting from the river to the sea, kill every Jew you see. Four uh, days ago, I took my kids to Valley Fair to enjoy the backfire shopping, only to be threatened by a massive pro-Palestinian demonstration screaming and shouting. My kids were terrified and we had to flee the place. This can't be the reality for American Jews in the Bay Area. I'm asking our city to speak up and, and show our support. Thank you. Thank you. Maya E. followed by Raya M. Hi, I'm Maya Elder Kadar. I moved with my family to Sunnyvale in December 2008. This was a highly recommended city that takes pride in community academics and being one of the safest cities in the USA. So why doesn't my family and I feel safe? On October 7th, two terrorist organizations based in the Gaza Strip, Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, launched a surprise attack on Israel, murdering 1,400 people and kidnapping over 240, many of them still in captivity. Why don't we feel safe? You, many of you here, signed a petition that did not include any support of what happened to Israel. What are you doing to change the anti-Israel and anti-Semitic talk and actions? You are supposed to represent all our community. We are active community members, taxpayers. Not one word condemning Hamas. Do you support Hamas? I'm wondering, because it was painful to see. We voted for you. Shame on you. Thank you. Raya M, please no clapping. Raya M, followed by 
Eddie L. L. Eddie K. Sorry, Edie K. Thank you. Thank you, council members, and thank you for having us. I've lived in Sunnyvale for over 11 years. I grew up in the States. I grew up in the East Coast and uh, enjoy uh, the district. My kids go to the school, of course, the schools in the area, and I try to be an active member of the neighborhood and the community. I'm a scientist, work full-time, pay my taxes, vote, of course. I can imagine the weight and bear of being a public figure and having to represent the entire city, especially one as diverse as Sunnyvale. Most of us came from somewhere else. With that in mind, there's also a responsibility to represent us as a diverse community. I stand before you, a Caucasian-looking woman. I'm far from it. I'm the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. My mother was orphaned in the Holocaust. We said never again back then, and every year after that. I'm an American, but I'm also an Israeli. And I can separate the feeling that I had before October 7th to the feeling that I had after that. And that is one of not feeling safe anywhere walking on the street, going to shopping centers, sending my kids to future colleges. That's scary for me. Thank you, Thank you very much. I'd like you to make a stand. Thank you. Eddie, Eddie K or Eddie H, followed by Naomi B. Eddie or Edie? Naomi B followed by Rev, I'll say Rev Mool M. I have been a resident of Sunnyvale for the past 20 years. I'm worried. Four out of the six council members sitting in front of me signed a petition supporting the children of Gaza. That includes the vice mayor. We all support the children of Gaza. <laughs> but there are, has been no statement condemning the terrorist acts of Hamas on October 7th, those acts that led to the war and to the loss of innocent lives. I'm here asking for a plan from this city council to address the safety issues that the Jewish community feels. Thank you. Naomi B, followed by, oh, that was Naomi, correct? Um, Revmu M, Revmu. Good evening, council members. It's Ravital M. <laughs> I know Sorry. it's a tough one. Uh, I've been a member of this community for 15 years. I have two kids in the school district, and they are actually the reason that I'm standing here. Uh, only two days after the horrific events of October 7th, we re received a very upsetting email from our school district uh, equating the, what happened, the horrors that happened in Israel to uh, Israel starting a war against Gaza. Um, there was no condemnation of the terror attack. There, Hamas was even not called a terror organization on that email. Uh, we approached the school board wanted to ask what security measures are taking because we are seeing this environment growing extremely volatile. Uh, we are fearing what we're feeling in the streets. We are afraid. Uh, me and my girls, we are afraid and we've been here for 15 years. Uh, and seeing the statement that some of you signed was extremely upsetting at that point. Thank you. Thank you.
Um, and last is Dorit K. And Eddie, E-D-K, E-D-K or E-D-H. If they're here still here, but Dorit is our last in-person speaker. Hi, good evening. Um, I've been a resident of Sunnyvale for the last 15 years, and I'm a proud Jewish, Israeli, and American citizen. And I'm here because I don't feel safe anymore. Sunnyvale used to be a great home, a great city, the safest one. People around me said that I was lucky. And I said, yes, I am lucky, but I no longer feel lucky. I feel my kids go to schools with teachers and educators that don't know history. They don't, they, they, they don't understand what is a terrorist um, attack over Israel. Yes, we do support children of Gaza and innocent citizens. This doesn't mean that we allow terror. And I would like to see how you are addressing the terror attacks and how you are addressing Hamas. Because we need to be on the same side here. We need to condemn terror. And I want to feel safe to go out with my Star of David speaking Hebrew on the street. And now I no longer speak Hebrew. And I tell my kids, you need to hide your identity. And this takes me 100 years ago to the Holocaust days. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was my last in-person speaker card. City Clerk, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak? Uh, no, Mayor. OK, we will close oral communications. Uh, uh, next up is our consent calendar. Yes. Mayor Klein, I was wondering if I could speak out of order. I have some things that I'd like to say during council member comments at the end that I think would be of interest to many of the people who spoke just now at public comment. So I'm asking for some leeway if I could say a few words or um, that's my request. If you can keep it very short, I had some words to say on the matter too, but I was going to keep them to the end of the evening, so. My, my words are uh, not short, they're medium in length, but what you just said that you're gonna speak at the end, if I can go ahead and raise my hand in advance for council member comments tonight, I, sure. I would appreciate that as well. Thank you, Mayor. Okay, thank you. Next is our consent calendar. I will go ahead and open the public comments on our consent calendar items. Members of the public wishing to address council, please submit a speaker card to the city clerk. Raise your digital hand now or dial star nine in your telephone to indicate that you wish to speak. I will call on members of the public participating in person first, and then the city clerk will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it's their turn to address council. Speakers will have three minutes to speak. Is, um, I have no speaker cards on consent calendar items. Uh, city clerk, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak on consent, ca consent calendar items? No, mayor. Okay, I will close the public hearing and ask for a motion from my colleagues. Uh, Councilmember Melton. This might be mismarked, but there we go. Oh, it is raised on here. Okay. What's interesting is it's it's Wait, named, let me, as, let me try again. It's named as me, so my guess is <laughs> we have a mistake. Um, so Vice Mayor Dean, I know when that hand goes up. Thank you. Uh, I move the consent calendar. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Mellinger. Second. Thank it you. It is me. 
City Clerk, can you please conduct a roll call vote? Uh, yes. Mayor Klein, how do you vote? Yes. Councilmember Melton. Yes, Melton. Yes. Councilmember Melton. Thank you. Vice Mayor Dean. Yes. Councilmember Sell. Yes. Councilmember Srinivasan. Yes. Councilmember Mellinger. Yes. The motion carries 6-0 with Councilmember Cisneros absent. Thank you. Next, we move on to general business. As I stated at the beginning of the meeting, this council meeting is considered a limited public forum, and the council can regulate the time, place, and manner of speech. Speaker comments during public hearing items must be limited to the agenda item being considered by council. If a speaker does not comply, the presiding officer will rule the speaker out of order to allow the city council to conduct its business in a reasonably efficient manner and to protect the rights of other speakers. The presiding officer will not rule speech out of order because the presiding officer disagrees with the content of the speaker's speech. Our first item is item 23-1082, two applications for proposed projects at 1154 Sonora Court and the site of 1170 Sonora Court, including a special development permit, vesting tentative parcel map, and a development agreement. Is there a staff report? Yeah, good evening, everyone. Uh, we have a staff Point report. Point of personal privilege, I apologize. Could I request a five-minute resource uh, recess before we dive into this item? Um, yes. Thank you. So we'll do a five-minute recess and come back at 8 o'clock. Sorry.
David, we're ready. Staff, are you ready? Let's go ahead and reconvene and go to the staff report again. Thank you. I'm just waiting for the staff presentation. This is, um, I think this is applicant's presentation. The report is up as far as, okay. Okay, here we go. Thank you. Um, good evening, everyone. My name is Astha Vashisht. I'm project planner for these applications at 1154 and 1170 Sonora Court. So these are non-contiguous sites. Uh, these are located close to Lawrence Caltrain Station and they're owned by the same property owner and proposed to be redeveloped by same developer, which is SKS Partners. The proposed redevelopment would be uh, for these two industrial lots and uh, it would be seven-story mixed-use building. And it would result in a total of 280 residential rental units and close to 220,000 square feet of office area. Now, the projects, they qualify for state density bonus. They also, it also qualifies for Assembly Bill 2097, which prohibits requiring parking for pro projects that are located within half a mile radius of a major transit stop, which these projects qualify because of close proximity to Lawrence Caltrain Station. The, these projects, they're located within Lawrence Station area plan. It's, they're located within the Sonora Court neighborhood and utilizing a combination of base allowed residential density, Lawrence Station area plan development incentive program and state density bonus. They're proposing a density of 92 dwelling units per acre for the site at 1154 and 98 dwelling units per acre for the site at 1170. Uh, the project, it requires, um, uh, the Lawrence Station Area Plan, it requires development agreement for projects that exceed office um, FAR, the base office FAR, which is 35%. And both these projects, they require a development agreement. And in this case, uh, the agreement would be between City of Sunnyvale and SKS Partners, which are the developers. The development agreement would generate benefits for both city and the developer. The benefits to city would include affordable housing, community benefits, and a proposed new publicly accessible pedestrian connection between Sonora Court and Caltrain Station. The benefits to developer would include additional office density over a maximum allowed 150% Office FAR, additional time to exercise permits, and no change to the impact fees. Uh, looking at the neighborhood, uh, Sonora Court neighborhood is located north of Caltrain tracks. Uh, the site at 1170, it's located directly north of Caltrain station, uh, Lawrence Caltrain station. And the character defining feature of this neighborhood are the mature redwood and cedar trees. And LSAP has policies and goals to preserve these trees and it encourages integration of these trees as part of redevelopment proposal. Here's a look at the site layout for 1154 Sonora. The vehicular access would be through the driveway, which is on the western side of the property, and it will provide access to below grade parking levels. 
and uh, the piston axis would be um, would be directly oriented towards Sonora Court, and it would be through recessed entry, and there will be separate lobby areas for residents and office users. The other side has a similar layout where, again, the driveway is on the western side and provides access to below-grade parking and service areas. And the um, pedestrian access is directly oriented towards the street. The key feature of this site is the proposed publicly accessible pedestrian connection to Lawrence Caltrain Station along the eastern side. Uh, based on the conceptual landscaping plan they have submitted, it will be finished with permeable pavers and uh, the material and details will be finalized at the building permit stage. Uh, the project also proposes close to 400 square feet of retail space on the southeast corner of this building. Um, and um, the applicants also are proposing improvements to the Caltrain Station property, which is located directly south of this parcel. Now, consistent with the Lawrence Station area plans uh, goals for preserving mature redwood and cedar trees, the applicants have worked on preserving all the trees along the street, except there's proposal to remove one cedar tree on each of the site, and this is required to accommodate a new driveway approach and pedestrian connection. The post architecture style for both the buildings is similar. It can be categorized as contemporary and the applicants have used a combination of material and color variation, wall plane changes, wall offsets, um, balconies and angled walls to create well articulated building facade on all the sides. Uh, so it has a 360 degree architecture and this is the rendering of 1154 site looking from Sonora Court. Here's another rendering. It's looking um, from the Caltrain tracks for 1154, and this shows the usable open space for the residents on the fourth floor level. The other side has a similar architecture and detail um, where there's a use of material and color variations, wall plane changes, recesses, balconies to create well-defined building base, middle, and top. And this is looking from Sonora Court. And this is a closer look at the proposed pedestrian connection, which will be bordered by angled walls and glazing. Uh, the retail space on the southeast corner has been designed to be visually prominent, and it's also envisioned to energize the walkway as well as the station area. Uh, finally, this is the rendering looking from the Caltrain tracks, which again has a similar level of detail and articulation as its other facades. So overall, the proposed architecture is um, consistent with Lawrence Station development vision, and it is well aligned with all the Lawrence Station area plan design um, guidelines that are applicable to the project. The project utilizes state density bonus waivers and incentives. Um, so using the law, they are requesting waivers from three development standards. They're also requesting an incentive to allow additional office FAR beyond the maximum allowed 150%. Uh, overall, the requested waivers and incentives are reasonable because of the unique site conditions and provisions of state density bonus law. This project, it was reviewed by Planning Commission on November 13th, and consistent with staff's recommendation, Planning Commission unanimously recommended alternative one, two, and three. Overall, the project, it furthers um, general plan and Lawrence Station area plan goals 
and vision by providing high density housing and office in close proximity to Caltrain station. The project will generate community benefits. It will provide a critical pedestrian connection between Sonora Court and Caltrain station. Uh, city also hired a third party environmental consultant to conduct uh, the study, environmental study, and based on the study, it was found there would be no new significant environmental impact by either of these projects, and the projects are well within the scope of previously adopted Lawrence Station Area Plan Environmental Impact Report, and Lawrence Station Area Plan 2021 updates subsequent environmental impact report. Therefore, we are recommending alternative one and two, which is to make the required findings to approve the CEQA determination and approve the special development permits and vesting tentative parcel maps, and to introduce an ordinance approving and adopting a development agreement between the city of Sunnyville and SKS partners. Thank you. This concludes staff's presentation. Thank you very much. Are there questions of staff? First up is Councilmember Mellinger. Thank you very much. Um, a couple questions of staff. Um, I saw in the staff report that uh, SKS is requesting that some of the uh, stone paved areas uh, be counted towards the landscaping. Is that correct? Um, so they are proposing uh, paved areas, uh, but those haven't been included as um, landscape area uh, for our calculation purposes. So. In our zoning code, uh, it states that the paved area or decorative pavers can only be 30% of the total landscape area and they should be incidental to the main landscaping area. So we only counted based Got on it. that criteria. Okay, so my question specifically is with the stone pavers that they're using, a big part of the landscaping requirement is for stormwater management. Um, are they gonna be using semi-permeable pavers? They are pro proposing permeable pavers uh, partially on the private uh, property, not on the sidewalk, but the, um, but the property, yeah, they are proposing that. Excellent. Um, are they planning on including any uh, ADA-adapted units? So uh, units that could be adapted to someone with dis disabilities, a wheelchair, for instance. I, I think that would be part of the ADA requirement, and um, and uh, applicants can also answer that question, but it would be a part of that, and they, I think, are required to have some units which are ADA compliant. Okay, so one of the things I will say is I noticed the, um, the number of units that are out of the sort of standard range for the trash chutes, um, and I'd love to hear from the applicant on this, but specifically I'm thinking about if someone's uh, got disabilities, they may, you know, are the ADA accessible units going to be closer to the trash chutes within the 150 feet or within an appropriate distance uh, as specified by the ADA? And if the applicants uh, feel like answering that in their presentation, I would appreciate it. Um, let's see here. Um, I believe, uh, so we have uh, bird safe treatment. Can we talk about what is going to be on the roof of this development? Um, is it a solar roof? Um, what's the, what is the proposal there? Uh, so the project will be subject to the reach code requirements that require solar panels to be installed and those will be finalized at the building permit stage. 
Got it. Okay, so the primary use of the roof will likely be solar panels and utilities then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I believe that does it for me. I may have a second round of questions based on what my colleagues say, but I will stop there for now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, next up is Councilmember Melton. Yeah, hi, Asta. That was a great presentation, and I really appreciate your work on this project and then um, your uh, work with the Planning Commission as they went through their public hearing. So great job. Um, I don't have any questions about this project, but for as long as I've been thinking about and involved with the Lawrence Station Area Plan, which goes all the way back to my days, Asta, on the Planning Commission and as part of the um, task force that was um, tasked with working on Lawrence Station, I've had a question about what I call the critical parcel, which is neither of the two parcels that we're talking about tonight. It's the one across the street, because we've got to come up with a way to punch through from Kiefer to Sonora that is not San Zeno. And there's this one parcel like right across the street, do you know which one I'm talking about? That's um, near the new apartment complexes that have been built on the other side. Um, this is what I call the critical parcel, and I was wondering if staff could provide council an update on what it looks like for this critical parcel to be converted as sort of a punch-through or traffic circulation enhancer to get folks from Kuiper to Sonora. Hi, council member. I'm, I'm George Schroeder, principal planner. Um, I'll, I'll help with this question. Um, yeah, so that is still the plan is to have that critical component of the uh, Santa Vittoria Terrace uh, that connects to uh, Kaifer Road, punch through to Sonora Court, and the, the parcel right across from 1154 uh, is that um, piece of the puzzle. So uh, we still have that on the books in the Lawrence Station Area Plan and in our incentive program. Um, we, we haven't uh, received any proposals from the, the property owner yet, and um, from our knowledge, uh, they are aware that uh, that is a requirement. Um, so there's been no change in plans, uh, but this, uh, this new connection to the, the Caltrain parcel, this pedestrian connection through the 1170 parcel, that will help at least facilitate some you know, faster pedestrian access to the station while we're waiting for the, that parcel to be developed. Yeah, that's... Um very helpful to hear, and I'm glad that staff is keeping an eye on that critical parcel on the north side of Sonora. Um, by the way, I duly note and really appreciate the um, connector that's part of this project that we're here talking about tonight to the Caltrain station. That's also gonna be tremendously helpful. I suppose if um, city council was of a mind, talking about the critical parcel again on the north side, if council was of a mind to try to accelerate fulfillment of the policy of that critical parcel as a connector to, to Kuiper, um, we'd probably have to do a study issue or something that would you know, accelerate somehow looking into or talking to the owner of the property to achieve the vision as fast as possible. That's sort of the idea that I would have to accelerate that. Otherwise, George, we're looking at um, sort of the, the waiting process that you just mentioned. Yes, yeah, so that's correct. And, you know, the, the owner could look at potentially uh, working with the, the neighboring property owner to maybe acquire that par parcel because the, the new road would take up a, a, a good amount of that parcel. Uh, so that's the idea is, is to um, encourage the par parcel consolidation. 
uh, in our incentive program for Lawrence Station, we, we do give a fair amount of density points for that parcel consolidation because we know that that's uh, a main component to making this, this new loop road work. Um, so that, that could be another thing we look at is in our incentive program is to uh, up the, the density points to, to further incentivize that. Okay, thank you so very much. Thank you, Council Member. Uh, next up is Council Member Sell. I want to um, thank staff for all the work you put into this. It looks like that you um, worked very carefully with the developer on this and came up with all this information. So I appreciate all the work and the detail and the presentation that you gave us. And I also um, wanted to thank you for the thorough answers that you responded to Council's Monday questions. There was this one public comment, um, a letter from neighboring um, property concerned about construction and, and what would happen. And so in the response that is on file online for this these data, um, you provide answers to many of those questions, what will happen during construction um, timeframe and all of that. Um, one question that I have is, in one of your responses related to the traffic study, um, uh, the question I asked was, um, the traffic study um, recommends certain improvements to intersections. And um, so in your response, um, it says that um, this project will be only contributing a fair share to the improvements. So those improvements will not happen until um, it's fully funded what would be the mechanisms for it to be fully funded and where do you see, when and where do you see that happening and do you see that happening like before this development gets all completed or what's the vision for the um, um, traffic study issue improvements to be implemented? Uh, Council Member Sell, this is Trudy Ryan, Community Development Director. Um, th that's actually a, a, a broader question for our, our public works colleagues, but in general, the response is that um, there are a number of different projects and the funds are collected at different times, but that the funding all goes into one pool, so you don't have to wait for all of the funds to come in to do all of the projects. You can phase the projects as you have sufficient funding for, for each um, whichever one seems most critical or, or can be taken care of. So that's the general approach that's used with these traffic mitigation funds. Okay. So there, there's, a, there's a broader program that already enables that to happen. Okay. So when this gets developed like many, many years from now and completed, um, will like that those improvements maybe have been prioritized and then maybe that's correct. They'll, okay. they'll be done along the way and our, our public works staff, particularly the um, transportation and traffic manager and his staff um, will, will continually be evaluating whether or not it's time to, okay. to do that work. Okay, thank you so much for the excellent work. Thank you. Uh, next up is Council Member Srinivasan. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, good presentation, really interesting. Uh, I had a uh, couple of questions on uh, slide number two, page number two. Okay, in this, the building stories is seven plus. 
what does that plus mean? Um, so it is a seven-story building, but it also has two below-grade parking levels. Correct. So that is why it's it says that it's seven story plus there are two additional underground parking levels. Okay, right. okay got it. And then similarly, the office, uh, same slide. For office project, it's greater than 35% FAR, but if I look at the FAR, it's 173 and 167, which is not 35% more. Uh, what is that number? Sure. Um, so Lawrence Station area plan, it requires a development agreement, um, you know, when it's it's over 35% office FAR, and LSAP also has a maximum office FAR, which is 150%. In this case, um, the applicants are utilizing state density bonus law to requ request additional office FAR beyond 150%, and that's part of the incentive. And incentives are based on uh, whether you know, the housing project becomes uh, financially infeasible. In this case, uh, the applicants are stating that the office component, having that additional office area, would make their project more viable financially. Okay. So okay. they are utilizing state density bonus to request that additional 23% for 1154 and additional 17% right. for 1170. Yeah, because it says greater than 35%. That's right. why it was, it's right. uh, around 23 and Seventeen mm -hmm. percent, right? right. So, yeah. Okay. Those are my questions for now, but I will wait for other comments. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much, and um, thank you to staff for the presentation. You know, I, I've enjoyed the project in looking at it visually. Uh, I think it has a lot of pluses. I did have some questions, kind of either uh, based on the eight a.m. questions or kind of follow-ups to those questions. First, talking about food cycling and. You know, whenever I see sh food shoots and, or shoots as far as garbage and how that conceivably traps all garbage, and I think it encourages especially, you know, residents to use one type, you know, that garbage chute for everything kind of defeats the whole purpose of, of our food cycle program, which we've rolled out to businesses and multifamily residents in the last year. And so trying to get a better idea from your standpoint of how this project is going to further those goals and uh, be interested to hear your your comments and kind of pass through from what, what was answered on Monday. Um, yes, so, um, so yeah, we, we have the answer from our solid waste specialist and she provided details about how it's gonna work. Um, so there will be also separate 35 gallon food scrap cart on each of the residential floors. So the food scrap will go there. And then ultimately the building management will be responsible for staging all the trash to the uh, staging area. So the food scrap will be separated from the rest of the trash on each floor. Fantastic. And then as far as the um, rollout into the, into the office space, so that's, that's residential. Is it, is it similar for the office, or um, do the shoots also apply to that? I couldn't I couldn't figure that out from from the staff report. Sure. Um, so office floors they have a separate you know uh, the solid waste management plan here. Um, so there's a trash room um, on the first floor level for the office, and they are not using the shoots. So it's only for the residents. These shoots are only for them, and uh, and it would have separate food scrap. Cards for the office users. Okay, thank you. 
And then part of this is, uh, if you going through the staff report, is the placemaking elements and trying to get a better idea. It's like I saw the the you know hundred thousand dollars that's that's set aside for that, but trying to get a better idea of what placemaking means to this site to to Lawrence Station in general. Um, I'll, I'll take that uh, question for you. Uh, the the um, Lawrence Station um, sense of place plan. Uh, talks about a, a vocabulary and a language for the signage, for the um, uh, electroliers, uh, the street trees, all sorts of things that are contributing to the to that sense of place in, in terms of those vocabularies. And there are a number of elements that are anticipated, such as gateway signs. Very preliminarily, the, the applicant has talked about uh, sort of a, a, a minor gateway coming from the train station um, through the, the pathway on the 1170 site. Um, so there might be a, a, a sign that's you know, kind of of that um, stature that um, is kind of announcing that, hey, you're, you're here in Sunnyvale now. So that, that's just an idea and the applicant could probably elaborate if they if put further thought into what um, the specific, but there is time to sort of work through that with them. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, and then, um, this will kind of go to the applicant, but I'll ask staff first. Uh, artistic elements being, are there any artistic elements being proposed for, for either of the two sites? So both these sites are less than two acres in area and they're not required to have a public cart. Okay, and, and what's kind of unique about this is it's seen as two projects, but it's really one project. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to, to see to the applicant, you know, what, Ultimately, they're they're skirting our kind of our, our art and private development um, mm -hmm. design because even though you know or design requirements from that standpoint. So uh, I'll be interested to hear that. And then, um, so I've been part of Lawrence Station plan since it was first envisioned. You know, on the planning commission um, many many years ago. And as we finally studied it and evaluated it, um, part of this pro part of these projects are taking away kind of the overall studied pool of office space. And so, um, trying to get a better idea of, uh, for one thing, what is left uh, after we approve conceivably approve these projects tonight, uh, and then staff's opinion of that remaining pool and the usability of it. Uh, yes, Mayor, I'll, I'll take this question. So we, uh, it, if these projects are approved tonight, we would have about 14 some odd thousand square feet of net new office and R&D and industrial area left over. So it's not, not that much left over. Um, when, when properties redevelop, most of the existing properties are industrial or office uses. So if, if that were to convert to residential, that existing square footage would go back into the, the balance that we have. And um, so if, if it just converts directly to residential, that would go back into the balance and then it would be available to, for use for other properties. Um, but it does limit the uh, net new office area that could be built um, elsewhere in the, in the plan area. Um, you know, if, if we do give a, a property owner who wants to build more office beyond, we would have to go through uh, another environmental document, um, could be an EIR. Uh, to study additional office area uh, in the plan. 
and, and that was going to be my supplemental question, is, is it a full EIR? Is it a supplemental EIR? Just trying to get a better idea because conceivably, as was envisioned 15 years ago, I think, when this was first proposed, the study issue, um, the, you know, conceivably this is more successful than what we were expecting. As we added, you know, as we're adding more residential, more office space, you know, and I understand the concept of, okay, this building became 100%, you know, residential. So that went up 80,000 or, you know, some, some number, but, but is there a threshold? Does staff have an opinion on, it, should it be reevaluated at some point before we get to that problem? You know, because if we add that to a developer's process, it would be years conceivably um, to go through that process as opposed to as opposed to getting ahead of the curve. And so I'd be interested to hear, you know, from that. Okay, we're just gonna go right back and forth down the line answering sure. your questions. <laughs> um, that's a very theoretical question and, and it really depends on um, what other changes might be happening in the community. Um, the, the council's had um, a number of, of values and you just need to put them together and one is to keep the jobs housing ratio lower. So if you wanted to increase the office in some area, you may also wanna consider raising the residential in another area. Um, so there's just a lot of different things you'd have to look at and what, what type of environmental review and how much in advance to do that. That, boy, if I could tell you that, I'd have a different job. <laughs> Un understood. Yeah. It, it kind of leads back to, okay, to kind of the general question of, of allotments in the area. And so my, my only question at this point is, it looks like we're close to, um, Hit, well, we were hitting. We we're close to hitting the the ceiling for from an office standpoint. How are we doing from a residential standpoint? And I know the state kind of changes some of that, but it still kind of goes back to the general area Lawrence Station plan. Yeah. Well, the, the the plan allows for a total of about five thousand, a little over five thousand units. Yeah, five five thousand nine hundred. And and not not quite two thousand with this project um, have been. A, are built or approved. So there's still a, a considerable capacity of residential development in the Lawrence Station area. And yes, many of those sites are um, highlighted in the housing draft housing element, Correct. which we'll be bringing to you in two weeks. Good, okay. Uh, thank you for that. And so that was all of my questions for staff. We'll come back to council. Uh, first up is council member Mellinger. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. A um, couple of other questions. Uh, Mayor Klein asked about the food scraps. I'd like to ask about cardboard and uh, glass and general recycling. Are those gonna have separate chutes or how is that gonna hand be handled? Or is that a question for the applicant? Um, yeah, I think applicant can also talk in detail about that. I'm just um, looking, this is a question for mostly our solid waste specialists, but we do have the response to, so I'm just giving through that. To I, see I have lived have, in a complex yeah. which had separate uh, trash, cardboard, and recycling mm -hmm. chutes. So I, I know it's, it's feasible at least, but I'm just curious as to the plan. Um, Okay, while you look up that, can we get uh, the site map with the pathway to the Caltrain station up again? Um, 
Okay, so that and there's the, the retail there. Excellent. All right, and then um, this is looking very good. And I, I have to say I'm very enthusiastic about the pathway. Um, do we know what the pathway is going to be paved with? Councilman Mellinger, that's the permeable pavers. That's that we permeable talked pavers, about. Yes. perfect. Yes. Okay, great. Um, I ask because I take the uh, northern pathway to the Sunnyvale Caltrain station three or four times a week, and God help you if it's raining because it turns to mud. Um, so permeable pavers sounds great. Um, okay, I think... I do have one last question, which is we have a 10-year development agreement on this project. Um, and I wanted to ask, you know, sort of, you know, normally our standard development agreement is two years. And can you remind me, is the 10 years part of the concessions under the density bonus, or how was that reached? Um, well, six years um, we've done on simpler projects. Um, as a mixed-use project, it's, it's not unusual for us to... Um, recommend a 10-year um, time period for the development agreement. So it's uh, it's more the complexity of the project um, in terms of the, the total term associated with the development agreement. Understood. All right. Thank you. That's very helpful. And I believe that actually does it for real for my questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. I see no further questions from council. Uh, so I'll open the public hearing on this item. Members of the public wishing to address council. Please submit a speaker card to the city clerk. Raise your digital hand now or dial star nine on your telephone to indicate that you wish to speak. I will call members of the public participating in person first. Uh, then I'll ask the city clerk uh, to unmute remote participants uh, when it's their turn to address city council. Uh, speakers will have three minutes to speak. The applicant is provided 15 minutes at the beginning of the public hearing to address council along with five minutes at, at the end of the public hearing. Um, is there an applicant presentation? Thank you. Uh, good evening, Honorable Mayor, City Council, and everyone present here tonight. Thank you, Asta, for that great uh, introduction to the project. Uh, my name is Alexandra Lee. I'm from SKS Partners, the project applicant. Um, also attending is Dan Kingsley, managing partner, but he's attending virtually um, due to um, an illness. Um, also with me in person is Brian Millman and Adam Woltag from WRNS Architecture as well as Tamsin Plume from Holland and Knight. Um, I'm honored and very excited to be here tonight uh, to pre present our vision for 1170 and 1154 Snora Court. Um, I want to just start by expressing my gratitude to the city. The project that you see here tonight is two years of collaborative efforts between our team and city staff. And so we just thank them for all of their great feedback and comments over the last two years. So I'm going to touch on a couple of project highlights, and then I'll hand it over to Adam, who will dive into the project in more detail. So this project is a new transit-oriented mixed-use project directly near the Lawrence Station, Lawrence Caltrain Station. It includes 280 units of housing, 
as well as 46 below market rate units. It also includes 220,000 square feet of office with flexible floor plans to accommodate small and mid-sized local companies. Um, as part of this proposal, we are creating a publicly accessible pathway connecting Sonora Court directly to the Caltrain station platform. And we're hoping this will encourage transit ridership, biking and walking in the area. As part of that um, path to Caltrain, we're proposing a station serving micro retail space. This is to really bolster that connection and serve both transit riders as well as the neighborhood. Also, we feel that our project is consistent with Sunnyvale's vision for the area. First and foremost, it aligns with the Lawrence Station area specific plan. Um, the LSAP's vision for this area is to have an urban job, sorry, an urban hub, job center, and neighborhood for urban living. And we think this project does this with a dynamic mix of uses and density near the station. It, it does all this while preserving the mature redwood trees that go down Sonora Court, which is very important to maintaining the quality and character of that street. In addition, it reduces parking by employing shared and unbundled parking strategy. Strategies promotes biking, walking, and public transportation. It also aligns with the goals of Sunnyvale's Climate Action Playbook, as well as helps the city meet its arena housing goals. And lastly, um, we're honored to have the endorsements of a couple of um, local groups, including Livable Sunnyvale, as well as Caltrain, who we worked with over the past two years to create this pathway. Um, and I'm just going to pause briefly here to address a couple of the questions that just came up. Um, one was from Council Member Mellinger uh, regarding the accessible units. So every single unit in the project will be ADA adaptable. Um, that's part of the building code. So that'll be the case for this project. And for the trash chutes, I believe 75 to 80% of them will be within the 150 foot distance to the trash chutes. So that covers the majority of the units and every unit in the building can be made accessible. Um, another question that came up is the placemaking element. And so we do have just a placeholder right now because we hope to develop the design further, but the idea with that was to really create an identity for this connection, an identity for the station, and it could include artistic elements, um, such as sculptural elements, signage, lighting, uh, but we just haven't fully developed it yet. So we're not trying to skirt any public art, but we are trying to incorporate it into this concept to really make this connection much stronger. Uh, and I will now hand it over to Adam, who will go over the design in more detail. Thank you. Thank you. Can everybody hear me? I am Adam Woltag, a design partner with WR in a studio. I'm here with my partner, Brian Millman. Looking forward to sharing a little bit about the story behind the design um, after such a thorough uh, staff presentation. And one of the benefits of that is that I'd like to actually advance our deck forward in light of time and the fact that uh, Asta covered a lot of the great detail already in the project. So I'm gonna start here with some of the design features. This is one of the first sketches uh, that our, our, our office did. And our client SKS has been adamant from the very beginning that the design uh, of 1170 and 1154 uh, was unique and responded specifically to the place of Sonora Court. 
and, and, and more specifically to the two things that really do you know, determine the character and experience of this place, which is those fantastic trees along Sonora Court on the north side of the site, and then obviously the trains to the south. As you can see in this diagram, that really influenced the graining in blue of the residential bars and the open spaces between those bars and, and actually how those were basically graining from north to south on that site to try to maximize connection to those trees as well as to the trains. Moving down to the street level along Sonora Kirk, uh, Court along the curb, our landscape approach here is, is really focused solely on preserving the health and wellness of those fantastic trees. And that's gonna basically um, uh, materialize in an image very similar to what you see on the right, which is elevating and creating um, a, an elevated planter or raised planter. And what that does is actually start to capture and hold more rainwater for the roots to help these trees live a much longer and healthier life. On the curb side of those raised planters, there's an opportunity here uh, to create places for people to be, raised seating, uh, areas to gather, bike parking along that sidewalk, uh, which provides more accessibility for residents and for the public to actually engage in, and experience how fantastic it is along Sonora Court and to get up close to those, to those trees and activate that sidewalk along that public edge. On the south side of the site, the landscape design is defined by um, a very simple but beautiful palette of ginkgo trees. We think it's, it's dynamic, they change with the season and they're beautiful. Um, and then the ground plane palette, again, as we touched on just a moment ago, starts to move away from more an office, a suburban office palette into something that's much more urban with textured concrete, permeable surfaces and raised planters. Now moving on to the design of 1154, this is a view looking at the northeast corner of the site. And what you can really see here is our architectural approach that was touched on in the staff presentation about defining a very strong base to the building, a very clear middle portion, which you see in that lighter material, and then a top attic story in eave line that really accentuates the base, middle, and top. And there was some conversation about the loop road just a moment ago, and this view is really where that proposed loop road would meet Sonora Court. And what you're seeing here is an opportunity architecturally to really mark that moment to create something unique. And this is where you see this tower element, the only, the only part of the project where that brick material rises all the way up and creates something very unique and we think iconic along Sonora Court. This is a view from um, the Northwest looking back and you can see that architectural language is consistent along Sonora Court and turns as it turns toward the south. And this is a view looking at one of the full building breaks um, along Sonora Court, these openings that I just mentioned uh, before about the graining, fold down and start to gather up entrances for both residents and, and uh, tenants of the office spaces. That language rolls around to the south side facing Caltrain. You can see how the massing of the building opens up to the south. And up on that upper level for residents, this is where we located the amenity spaces, the recreation deck, um, uh, community rooms that all overlook to the south and overlook onto the, the, the Caltrain tracks. The material palette we think is very appropriate. It's, it's very simple and robust. The, uh, and it's really program based. So the lower floors of the commercial are defined by, by a warm palette of brick, metal, and glass that transitions into something a little bit more neutral for the residential pieces, right? Uh, which are looking at smaller window sizes, stacked balconies and lanais, uh, and, some and, and a few warm hot spots. Now moving on to 1170. 
very similar approach um, uh, urbanistically that uh, 1154 has, again, trying to break the mass up along Sonora Court with a full building break. That break rolls down and starts to gather entrances along Sonora Court. And then you can see along the left side of that slide, the mews or the pedestrian pathway that's going to connect Sonora Court to the Caltrain station. This is a view looking at it from the northwest. Again, you start to see that language rolling around again toward the trains to the south. And then the opportunities for outdoor living on those lanais that do face those trees, trying to kind of accentuate that and maximize those connections for residents. And then a close-up view to that entry in that public plaza that gathers up both the entrance to the residential um, program as well as the commercial program. But actually probably one of the most exposed and, and visible elevations is going to be uh, the south elevation facing Caltrain. And in this view, you can see the terminus of the pedestrian pathway and, and the anchor of that retail tenant facing the train tracks, which you think is fantastic, a place to kind of rest, get a cup of coffee while you're waiting for your train. And then you can see the architectural response. We think there's a great opportunity because it's south facing to play with light and shadow. So the architecture here is about creating depth. It's about looking at decorative metal screens that kind of add to that, a lacy kind of quality to that elevation. And then a really wonderful rich green color facing the trains. That's about kind of referencing those fantastic trees um, on the north side uh, along Sonora Court. The material palette here is about texture and light, but we flip it here where we actually have a more neutral base, the, the commercial uh, first three uh, stories and then a much warmer, richer upper story using different types of, of, of siding that are gonna add a lot of texture and light play to, to the facade. This is a view of them both together uh, along looking at it from the south. And again, thank you for your time and we look forward to your questions and comments. Thank you very much. You have at least one question from a council member. Council member Mellinger. Two questions actually. Sure. Uh, the first question was about cardboard and recycling chutes. Are those going to be separate? How is that going to be handled? Hi, Brian Milman with WNS Studio. Um, each of the uh, uh, each of the areas, the trash rooms on each floor, do have separate bins for um, cardboard. There is glass recycling, and there's compost bins on each of the floors, so they are separated. Okay, great. Uh, second question. Um, we heard uh, all the units are ADA adaptable, uh, and that's great. Um, what determines whether a given unit becomes adapted? I think if the request is by the t by the prospective tenant um, is uh, given to the to the landlord or to the owner. Oh, so the tenant can literally say, "Hey, I use a wheelchair. I would like roll under counters." Yes. Okay, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, quick question as far as, you know, and, and you talked about placemaking and art. And, and so I just wanted to clarify, you know, when, when I'm talking about our art and private development requirements, um, it would be on acre on, on sites larger than two acres, uh, which total these two sites would be, but it would ultimately be 2% of the cost of the office slash commercial building that that would be. So, so when we're talking about $100,000 for placemaking, that is, you know, far less when, when you're coming down to it. And so, you know, trying to get some vision of, of art 
you know, and, and art doesn't need to be, you know, conceivably, the majority of art that we see in our city is sculptures and, you know, put in front of the building. Um, that being said, architecturally, and I, and I do like some of the, the, the colors and textures here, but you can do, you know, art in different ways on a building, um, architecturally, that, that wouldn't normally, would conceivably would meet um, our art commission's requirements, but with that being said, um, would be interested, you know, for, for your opinion of kind of art you utilized in different ways for, for this building. And if, if you have any ideas, and I know it's preliminary, but, but trying to get a better idea. I mean, I, th I think one of the ways that we can start is with the brickwork, because um, the brickwork uh, will have a certain kind of texture and craft to it. And, um, and I think that there are opportunities to create um, more artistic and, and crafted uh, 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 chances and, and abilities to be able to create scale, texture, color, and, um, and connect to kind of a, a human scale in a more artistic way. Okay. I think to add to that, the metal paneling on the back of 1170, I think, has a lot of opportunity for that. I think we have a placeholder right now just to give you an idea of how that looks, but we've gone through a lot of different ideas with how do you reflect those trees that are along Sonora, how do you relate to Caltrain through those, so I think through further development of that facade too, that'll have a lot of opportunity. And as Alexandra pointed out earlier, the, the Muse, the connection between Sonora Court and Caltrain's, it's, we see that as a journey, uh, walking from one spot to the next, and that that, that journey is really about creating uh, some kind of unique experience through that, through lighting, as Alexander pointed out earlier, maybe through textures within even the ground plane, uh, within the fencing on the side, there could be art or um, signage that's really interesting and colorful along the way. Okay, thank you very much, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, we'll now move on to in-person speakers. That's all the questions from council. Thank you. We'll move on to in-person speakers. I have no speaker cards uh, that w wish to speak on this item. City Clerk, do we have any remote speakers wishing to speak on this item? No, Mayor. I'll ask the applicant if they have, they have five minutes to wrap up any final comments about the project. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll close the public hearing and bring it back to council for questions or a motion. Councilmember Mellinger. Mr. Mayor, I'm ready for a motion or with a motion. Questions or go, go right ahead. Mr. Mayor, I move alternatives one and two. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Melton. Second. To your motion. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Um, so I want to say that it is really exciting to see this project moving forward. Um, as stated by the applicant, this is providing dense infill housing directly adjacent to a Caltrain station. It's improving the accessibility to the Caltrain station. It's preserving heritage trees. Um, it's activating a really critical part of the Lawrence Station area plan. Uh, all of these things are really good. I think the architecture is excellent. Um, I also want to point out something else, which is that currently Midpen Housing is working on two affordable housing projects in Sonora Court. And one of the things that we know about affordable housing, and it is great to be 
have this prospect of getting additional affordable housing at Sonora Court is that you want affordable and market rate housing to be mixed together. And to my mind, the this project here, which by the way also provides a substantial number of affordable units, um, will help to make the mid-pen project successful by having the Sonora Court be an income integrated community and also by providing benefits such as the pathway to the Caltrain station, such as the little retail building at the Caltrain station, which I think I remember I was in a planning commission meeting when this first came up several years ago, Chair Pine might have been there, um, and saying, hey, wouldn't it be great if there could be a little, a little coffee kiosk uh, by the Caltrain? So I think this is a really attractive project. I'm thrilled to have a project like this going in in my district, uh, and I respectfully urge my colleagues I vote. Thank you. Uh, next up is Councilmember Melton. Yeah, thanks, Mayor Klein. Um, I agree with everything that my colleague, Councilmember Mellinger, just said. Um, to note for the record, I can make the required findings to approve the CEQA determination um, and also the special development permits and or vesting tentative parcel maps based on the findings and attachments six, seven, eight, and nine. Um, this, is, this is a good project and I'm glad to see this getting across the finish line um, here tonight. What I see is office space, high density residential housing, a significant number of affordable units, all within close proximity to the Lawrence Caltrain station. The walkway, I think is gonna be really nice along with the small scale um, coffee shop type area. And then with regards to the CEQA findings, I see no new significant environmental impacts would occur with the implementation of the projects and all approved mitigation in the 2016 LSAP EIR and the 2021 LSAP update SEIR would continue to be implemented. Um, this is a rock solid yes vote for me. Thank you very much. Thank you, council member. Uh, next up is, count, uh, is Vice Mayor Dean. Thank you, and I'll be very brief because I think my colleagues did a good job of saying similar points. I definitely concur. I'm excited to vote in favor of this motion tonight. Um, and I know there's back and forth through the city and the developers, and that's the natural process of how we arrive at these things. And I'm glad that this is the end result that we've been brought. Uh, like my council colleague said, having that mix of commercial, of retail, and of high-density residential really strengthens the project and strengthens each of those components so that the sum <coughs> is greater than the whole. Uh, it's a very strong transit-oriented development, and it's exactly the kind of projects that we need here in Sunnyvale and in our region, and I'm very excited to be supporting it tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Uh, next is Council Member Srinivasan. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Uh, I will be voting yes. Uh, it's a great project. For, uh, I will be voting yes for many, many reasons. I am really excited about the very low income uh, housing, 10 units, which is very, very critical for us, even for us, though we may, uh, Rena numbers, we, this is critical for that uh, purpose. More importantly, there is 21,000 square foot of office space, and then uh, residential units. It's very, very critical that both of them are near the transit center. Not everybody who works in those spaces will be living there. So it's critical that people who work in those uh, office spaces can use the Caltrain. 
and then especially Caltrain is uh, will be electrifying soon. <laughs> With that, this is m all the more exciting for me. And then I also like the idea of uh, flexible office space, as uh, the uh, project developer uh, pointed out, which means that a mid-sized company or small size, uh, or, uh, it's flexible, basically, mid-size or smaller companies can occupy that. And then I also like the shared parking concept, uh, because after office hours, the residents can use the space. These are uh, some of the key features, and then I also like the preservation of the uh, heritage tree, which is very, very critical for Sunnyvale. Uh, for those reasons, I will be voting yes. Thanks a lot for bringing a great project. Uh, thanks, Tad, uh, for uh, this project. Thank you very much. Thank you, Council Member. Next is Council Member Sell. <coughs> And I just wanted to again thank um, the developers for being such a fine project to Sunnyvale and following it through with the two-year process, as you said, and working with staff. Whenever you work on such a large prospect, there must be complications, and you have overcome the complications, so I congratulate you on that. Um, Transit-oriented development helps in many ways, makes it affordable, so you could choose not to have a car. It makes it helps the environment, um, um, less greenhouse gases, especially with Caltrans electrifying, and it helps transit be successful. So there are many, many ways in which this development, where it is placed, how it is done, um, helps in so many ways. So thank you for bringing this development to Sunnyvale, and I will be supporting it. Thank you, Council Member. And I will also be supporting this. You know, for me, uh, transit-oriented development is what all cities should be doing, and, and this is a perfect example of that. You know, what we have here is the housing, the office, and, and as much as it might be micro-retail, I think it will be uh, very successful considering the, the residents as well as the employees that are on this site as well as nearby. So, so you know, I encourage the, the developer to to choose wisely because whatever's there, I think, could get you know util could get utilized from early morning to very late at night, if not 24 hours. Uh, ultimately, this is bringing you know the on the long-term vision of the Lawrence Station plan, moving that forward. You know, and and in visiting Sonora Court, you know, seeing those large trees and maintaining those is you know just a a, a vast improvement of what might be there you know it's like this this whole area is redesigning but maintaining you know the those large trees and ultimately creating you know what what I commend the the architects and the developers here for for their architectural approach you know the the colors the textures you know the iconic design when you're looking at corners all those things taking into consideration make a project better and and ultimately you know we haven't seen much of this mixture of, of true kind of, I'll say higher density office and higher density residential on the same site, but, but I do think it works and has, you know, creates a, a location place for people to live and work and especially being so near the Caltrain station, it's, it's only a positive thing for the city. So, you know, this is, this is you know, pro these, are, these type of projects 
I'm happy that our city and, our, and, I, and I commend staff for, for continuing to work with developers to try to get the best out of projects. You know, this is why we put design guidelines in place and, and try to do the long-term vision of an area. And this is why we have so many specific plans, but this is part of that vision and making sure that what we end up getting from developers actually creates a community. And I think uh, that that is exactly what we're getting here. I wanna appreciate, of course, our planning commissioners who and all the all the different residents that I've heard from who've given input into this project. And I, and I appreciate the developer for actually doing that outreach into the community, uh, which is, which helps improve our projects overall, getting that community support. And I think that's an important part of the process. So I was able to make the findings. I think this is good, a good project and I'm looking forward to being, being completed. So happy to support it. And with that city clerk, can you please conduct a roll call vote? First up, Councilmember Mellinger, how do you vote? Enthusiastically, yes. Councilmember Srinivasan? Yes. Mayor Klein? Yes. Councilmember Sell? Yes. Councilmember Milton? Yes. Vice Mayor Dean? Yes. The motion carries. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you. One uh, a moment, let me read the ordinance title. Appreciate the reminder from a member of the public. Oh, yes. Let me find it. Uh, all right, so the title of the ordinance, an ordinance of the city of Sunnyvale approving and adopting a development agreement between 1154 Sonora Court LLC, 1170 Sonora Court LLC, and the City of Sunnyvale for the development of properties commonly known as 1154 Sonora Court and 1170 Sonora Court. And just a note, uh, this will likely come back with a slightly amended title saying an ordinance of the City Council of the City of Sunnyvale. And with that, the motion carries 6-0 with Council Member Cisneros absent. Thank you, and thanks to our planning commissioner who is here. Vice Mayor Dean. Thank you, I just wanted to say on the record, on top of making the findings in here, I make the finding that Martin Pine is awesome. <laughs> that may or may not be included in the, <laughs> the official findings. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, our next item is item 23-1087. Approve amendments to council policy 7.3.10 vice mayor selection to remove the electronic voting requirement. Is there a staff report? Yes, good evening, mayor and council members. This is David Carnahan, the city clerk. Council policy 7.3.10, vice mayor selection is before you tonight to consider the following changes. Uh, removing the electronic voting requirement. This requirement is inconsistent with the roll call voting method required by the Brown Act when one or more council members participates in a council meeting remotely. Uh, removing the requirement would not prohibit the council from using an electronic voting method for vice mayor nomination votes, uh, as long as all council members are present in person to vote. And additional proposed amendments include removing gendered language and other minor changes as shown in attachment one to the report. This concludes the staff report. Thank you very much. Are there any questions of staff? Seeing none. I will open the public hearing on this item. Members of the public wishing to address council, please submit a speaker card to the city clerk, raise your digital hand now, or dial star nine on your telephone to indicate that they wish to speak. 
I will call on members of the public participating in person first, and then the city clerk will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it's their turn to address council. Speakers will have three minutes to speak. I have no speaker cards on this item. City clerk, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak on this item? No, Mayor. I'll close the public hearing and bring it back to council. Uh, council member Mellinger. Move staff recommendation. Council member Melton. Second. To your motion. Oh. It's a good change. Thank, Thank you. you. Please Council vote yes. Councilmember Melton. Okay. Uh, City Clerk, can you please conduct a roll call vote? First up, Councilmember Sell, how do you vote? Yes. Councilmember Melton. Yes. Mayor Klein. Yes. Councilmember Srinivasan. Yes. Vice Mayor Dean. Yes. Councilmember Mellinger. Yes. The motion carries 6-0 with Councilmember Cisneros absent. Thank you. Our last item is item 23-1088. Adopt a resolution approving the city council regular meeting calendar for 2024 through February 2025. Is there a staff report? Uh, yes, Mayor and Council, David Carnahan again, the city clerk. Uh, this item is before you. Uh, the Sunnyvale Charter requires that you meet uh, on two Tuesdays per month. And we come uh, with you before you for a resolution each year for you to set those dates in advance to help both staff, the public, and council members uh, plan for those meetings. Uh, this was originally scheduled on consent at your last meeting. It was pulled, uh, but then it was not heard prior to the adjournment of the meeting. So it is back before you today. There is one correction that was made between the two meetings. Uh, Thanksgiving was errantly put on the wrong week last time you saw this. Thanksgiving has been fixed. We did not, as a city, decide <laughs> to move it. And then uh, there were some council questions, both last time this was on your agenda and then today. Uh, one was uh, noting that we have, th there's three weeks off in April, and part of that is relating to, or there's a, sorry, there's uh, a period in the middle of April where we're not going to have meetings, and that's because there are uh, several school districts that observe spring break then. Uh, there was a question regarding moving the June 11th proposed date to June 18th. Uh, that date could be moved, although it could reduce the t staff time uh, for preparing the budget between the May budget workshop and final adoption, depending on when that is scheduled for adoption. Uh, then also in July, there was a suggestion to potentially move July 9th to July 23rd. Uh, and that date could be moved, and that would give council uh, a three-week break between the June 25th and July 23rd council meetings. Uh, and then there was a, a question about the first meeting in August being on August 6th instead of August 13th. Uh, however, August 6th is a national night out, and we typically don't schedule a council meeting that night so that council members are able to participate and community members aren't uh, torn between participating in national night out and coming before council. Uh, that concludes the staff report. Uh, if there are any changes council members would like to make to the, the presented dates, uh, please include those in a motion so we make sure they're captured and reflected in your adopted resolution. And this concludes the staff report. Thank you very much. Um, I see no questions, but I, I just um, wanted to speak a little bit. So, so as far as the two dates, let's say the June 11th moving to June 18th, uh, that is what we had, that timing is exactly what we had this calendar year um, as far as one week between the last two meetings in June. So staff doesn't see any specific problem 
with that move, moving of date. And I'll ask the city manager if he has a comment. Um, the date does, could be moved in June. It does compress things a little bit in terms of gaps between the budget public hearing and budget adoption. Right, but it, but it's what we've been doing. I think it's historically kind of where, where that's fallen. I don't know why it moved randomly this year. Correct? It's, um, I, or, or I should I say know. next year. <laughs> Um, I, I can't speak to historically when the meetings okay. in June have been. A couple years ago, we definitely scheduled three meetings in June instead of two to make sure we had a backup if the budget adoption took additional time. Okay. And then as far as the July meeting, no, there's no issues from a staff standpoint that gives us almost basically four weeks off between those two meetings or between the last meeting in June and the, and the, the, the two meetings in July, correct? Uh, just so long as no urgent council business pops up in those four weeks, I don't think there'd be. Correct, okay, thank you. Um, council Member Srinivasan. Yes, thank you, Mayor. I had a quick question. Uh, there are some meetings which are marked as tentative if needed. When will we know whether uh, it's scheduled or not? Because I'm planning to take a vacation in April, but then he's, will I have some sufficient notice or how does that work? Um, for the as needed meetings, um, typically if the staff feels we need those, you know, it, there's not a set amount of time before that we would know. Um, Typically, at least a few weeks before that, I would confer with the mayor, and, and if we added one of those meeting dates, then we would add it to the tentative council agenda and show which agenda items fell on it. Um, it can come at fairly short notice that we need to activate one of those. Okay. If new items come up or we need study sessions that weren't anticipated, uh, and so there's not, a, um, there's not a set protocol for when we... Okay activate those and it's something that I basically the mayor and I would work together on okay thank you thank you very much that was the last of questions uh, let me go ahead and open could, the public. sorry could I just, just one comment about April is it we did include two tentative meetings in April so potentially when you're looking at a motion for your calendar uh, it's atypical for us to propose two tentatives in the same month so if you wanted to just have one that could be a, an option. Okay, I'm just, sorry. I lost that page, so I'm trying to get back to So uh, the, the included uh, dates proposed were a tentative date on April 2nd and April 30th, as well as two regular meetings. So uh, one option council could consider would be directing us to remove one of those tentative meeting dates. Okay, thank you. Um, Council Member Mellinger? Yes, I'm looking at the February 2025 schedule. Um, and one of the things in my experience that I've noted is that it is fairly uh, difficult to have a council meeting the same week as an all day workshop. Um, and I note that we have uh, so February 4th is slated as tentative, February 11th is slated as regular, and then there's February 13th for the study issues budget proposals workshop. Could I say, would staff be all right, or is there a reason why we could not have it be 
uh, February 4th is the scheduled, February 11th is the tentative. Uh, I'm not aware of uh, any issue there. Uh, we do have tentatively proposed February 3rd for uh, boarding commission interviews, assuming there are vacancies and applicants to interview. Uh, so that could, you could potentially end up with meetings back to back, although if there are a small number of applicants for interviews, those could be combined into the same night. Yeah, it's typically a fairly small number. Um, it's typically a fairly small number in, for Q1. So I, I will signal to my colleagues that I would be interested in swapping those dates for February 2025. Um, and while we're here, I don't think I am, so actually I do see another case of that, which is for January of 2024, we have a meeting scheduled on 123, we have the all day strategic workshop on 125, and then we have a tentative meeting on 130. Um, and could we also look at swapping the tentative and scheduled meetings between 123 and 130, 2024? So the only concern I would have about that is those dates have already been approved by council. So John, as long as, I mean, the agenda title doesn't include those January dates. However, uh, it is council's, you know, prerogative, I would assume, to schedule your meetings. That would mean you would meet January 20. January the 25th, then you'd meet the following week and the February 6th, and then the week of February 13th, you'd have boarding commission interviews and a budget study issue workshop, budget proposal study issue workshop. But I can't, I and mean, John, unless you have a concern about that, um, I can't, I don't see why we, those dates couldn't be swapped. I'm going to just read the actual agenda title. Adopt a resolution approving the City Council regular meeting calendar for 2024 through February 2025. Right. So, and we have January 24 already adopted from the previous calendar. So the council's, the council can change its regular council meeting at any time. So the fact that we had one set of dates adopted last year, you're, you're essentially creating a new calendar. So if you want to maintain those dates or change those dates, it, it, it's fine. The only question I had for Kent was I wasn't certain because at, at that time it, it works with study issues and I, I didn't know if we would have enough time. Um, well, yeah, because that, that is that meeting. The 23rd would be what one, is that what the three weeks before the budget issue study, um, the budget proposal study issue workshop. So there so, is a, some timing related to the a study issue budget proposal public hearing uh, and the last opportunity for council members to propose study issues and budget proposals. But that, you know, if, if that would, that potentially meeting on the 30th instead of the 23rd would mean council members, I believe, would need to submit their study issues for sponsorship January 9th. Ah, okay. Well, then I think we can let that idea drop. Um, if that's the case. Um, 
And I think that uh, does it. During public comment, I'll read the policy on study issues to make sure that's correct. Okay. Uh, cool. All right. I think that does it for my questions. Thank you. Thank you, Council Member. I will open the public hearing on this item. Members of the public wishing to address Council, please submit a speaker card to the City Clerk. Raise your digital hand or dial star 9 on your telephone now to indicate that you wish to speak. I will call on members of the public participating in person first, and then the City Clerk will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone and it's their turn to address Council. Speakers will have three minutes to speak. Uh, I have no speaker cards on this item. City Clerk, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak on this item? No, Mayor. I will close the public hearing and bring it back to Council for a motion or discussion. Uh, Council Member Mellinger. Uh, Mr. Carnahan, have you had enough time to figure out the uh, information about that January meeting? So the, the policy states that new council proposed study issues are due to the city manager no later than three weeks in advance of the annual study issues workshop. Uh, however, if the public hearing is less than three weeks before the workshop, council members may also sponsor issues introduced by the public at the public hearing, but, but must do so during that council meeting. And they so must I've, be introduced by the public. Correct, because the, the, I believe the, the hope in having them introduced earlier by council is that it would provide a sufficient time for a quality uh, study issue paper to be drafted. Okay, uh, with that I am ready for a motion. Um, I move Question. staff. One, one, one oh, moment. Sorry. Council Member um, Srinivasan, you have a question? Yeah, I had a question for uh, City Clerk. You mentioned uh, uh, we could remove one of the tentative meetings in April. Is that correct? Or uh... that is correct. So where would we move that? Um, you could just remove it. The tentative dates are. You just not have it. You would just not have it. Uh, the tentative dates are really so that you know there's dates where there's no tentative date, and then if there are tentative dates, that is intended for. Council to kind of know that staff will try and hit those dates for a meeting as opposed to just a different Tuesday or a different day of the week where, where possible. There's a, and there's certain actions that need to happen at a regular meeting and so having additional potential tentative dates uh, makes those agenda items eligible for those dates. Thank you. So we would leave it up to the maker of the motion to either right. remove one of the dates, and if you have a suggestion, Councilmember okay. Shigemasen, yeah, okay. make so. that suggestion now. Okay, sounds good. So the are you ready for motion? Can we remove the April second tentative meeting? So that's your that's your suggestion for that's the maker. That's my okay. suggestion. Perfect. All right. If that's the case, I'm ready with my motion. Thank you. Uh, staff recommendation, I move staff recommendation with the following modifications. First, that the April 2nd, 2024 date be removed as a potential tentative meeting. Second, that the June 11th meeting, 2024 meeting be moved to June 18th, 2024. Third, that the July 9th, 2024 meeting move, be moved to July 23rd. And Fourth, that the February 11, 2025 meeting be moved to February 4th, 2025. 
Mr. Carnahan, do you have all of that? Oh, I do. Just a question on the February date. Are you intending to just move the regular meeting to the 4th and eliminate the tentative council meeting date, or do you want to flip-flop those? Flip-flop them. If we have to have a council meeting on the same week as a workshop, we can. I just would prefer not to. Thank you. Council Member Srinivasan. For a second. To your motion. Uh, please vote yes. Thank you. Thank you. And I, um, I just want to thank the maker of the motion. So uh, definitely, you know, a lot of these questions came from when I was going through the calendar and seeing at least there's an opportunity for a longer break next summer. So I'm, I'm, you know, happy that we're able to make that as part of the calendar, which I think will be better for staff, better for council to actually have a a midsummer break like some other cities do. Uh, so with that, um, City Clerk, can you please conduct a roll call vote? First up, Councilmember Melton, how do you vote? Yes. Councilmember Sell. Yes. Vice Mayor Dean. Yes. Councilmember Mellinger. Yes. Councilmember Srinivasan. Yes. Mayor Klein. Yes. The motion carries 6-0 with Councilmember Cisneros absent. Thank you. And next, um, next up are council member reports and activities from intergovernmental committee assignments. It's been a while since we've seen this. Council member Mellinger. Sure, I'll go. Um, so I was privileged to attend the Bosca meeting this past month with uh, former uh, council member Gustav Larson, who is finishing up his term, his one year term as chair of Bosca. Um, there was actually, this was actually the uh, celebration of the 20th anniversary of the founding of Bosco, which is the Bay Area Water Supply and Conservation Agency, and for members of the public who aren't familiar with what Bosca does. Uh, Bosca is essentially a purchaser's union for the cities on the peninsula and in the East Bay who purchase water from SA, the San Francisco Public Utilities Corporation from Hetch Hetchy. Um, so... Uh, San Francisco's water uh, comes from all the way from Yosemite, is piped in, and many uh, cities in the Bay Area uh, get their water in whole or in part from Hetch Hetchy. Uh, and so SFP, uh, so Bosco was founded 20 years ago to ensure that the cities that do purchase, the cities and entities that purchase water from SFPUC uh, are able to negotiate fairly uh, for rates, for service, et cetera. And so some of the big topics of discussion have been what's called uh, the, tier two um, the tier two water conservation plan. I think I'm getting that name right, which is essentially in the event of a drought, how is the water supply that Bosca members are entitled to distributed among Bosca members, as well as uh, 2045 strategic planning. Um, and we also uh, had the, this was in closed session, so I was not able to uh, observe, but the performance review for the Bosca CEO, Nicole Sankula. Uh, and so that is my report for Bosca. Thank you very much. Um, let's see. I have a quick update. Um, so let's see. Uh, at the last Cities Association of Santa Clara County meeting, I was voted to be first vice president for 2024. 
Um, also, we reached 12 of the 15 cities approving the JPA. So that was something that, that came to our council uh, about a month ago now. I can't, I've lost track to some degree uh, with our long meetings, but, but that transition for moving um, the Cities Association of Santa Clara County uh, into a JPA has been an ongoing effort for the last few years. Uh, so, you know, it's been, um, it's finally good to see this having enough cities and I think it goes to another city next week uh, to make it conceivably 13 of the 15 that have approved it. Uh, you know, we needed just a majority and, and we far surpassed that at this point. So it's actually good to, to see that transition going forward. And then I also wanted to remind council members that there's a Cities Association holiday party in December. Uh, you should have all received a, an invitation. And so please try to respond and add that to your uh, calendars. Um, next up are non-agenda items and comments. Um, this item of the agenda is for all reports and announcements by council members and the city manager to share information. Um, we'll go, we'll start, uh, we'll, we'll get to the memorandum later uh, at the end of this and then whoever wants to raise their hand first, council member Melton. Yeah, thanks Mayor Klein. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate you hearing my request earlier tonight to speak out of order, but we've ended up in a good place. So I appreciate that. I've been having a, a lot of coffee meetings with members of our community over the past couple of weeks. Um, and there's some things that I want to say. I'm gonna start off by saying that what happened on October 7th in Israel was a brutal atrocity, plain and simple, and I condemn it. There is no excuse, no rationale whatsoever that can justify what Hamas did. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Folks have heard me say into a microphone that my wife, Sammy, her home country is Algeria. Sammy is a follower of a Quran, of the Quran, and she is Muslim. Here's an interesting thing about the country of Algeria. Algeria suffered through a civil war in the mid-1990s. My wife was there. So Algerians know a thing or two about radical, extreme Islamic terrorism. Uh, my wife has a cousin who lives uh, in Southern California. He was a member of Algerian Special Forces uh, that was highly involved in um, Algeria um, exerting its right to defend itself. So I believe that countries have a right to defend themselves just as Israel does. Israel has a right to defend itself against Hamas, a terrorist organization. There is a, a legendary local politician who did great things in Washington, D.C. His name is Norm Mineta. He was the Secretary of Transportation for both President Clinton and President Bush. And one of the great things that Secretary Norm Mineta did after the September 11th terrorist attacks on Washington and New York is he urged President Bush to differentiate between peace-loving moderate Muslims from those radical terrorists which corrupt the Quran and are terrorists. Um, by defending itself, Israel has to comport to the rules of war, which include not targeting civilians, and that is a very difficult thing to do in Gaza. I pray for the cessation of war, the release of hostages, and a future of peace and economic prosperity. 
I pray for a future where Gaza becomes, quote, the Singapore of the Middle East. The foreign policy to get there is above my pay grade and has nothing to do with Sunnyvale City Council. But there are two realities going on in Sunnyvale. Reality number one is that what happens in the world affects Sunnyvale residents. In Sunnyvale, everyone, every resident, has the right to feel safe and to be safe. And I think Sunnyvale DPS does an incredible job. Reality number two is that four Sunnyvale council members signed the sign-on petition. I have no criticism of my colleagues. I have no criticism of my colleagues, but as I mentioned 14 days ago, I am not going to sign the petition and I'm allowed to provide an explanation of why. The sign-on petition is a mere 100 words long. I have many issues with it and will not sign it. But to keep things brief, here are the top three reasons I will not be signing the statement. The statement starts off with what I refer to as a BES, referring to a failure of humanity. By the way, BES is big emotional statement. It refers to a failure of humanity and whenever I see big emotional statements, I take that as a red flag. In this case, which failure of humanity are we talking about exactly? The statement then goes on to mention that half of the population of Gaza are children, which technically is correct if you look at the demographics, but let's face it, a more meaningful and factually correct statement would be that one-third of the children, one-third of the population of Gaza is children under 12. And I can tell you that every person in the room who is a parent of children knows what I'm talking about and how that these two statements are vastly different. Finally, the statement contained a reference to U.S. tax policy. This is completely non-relevant, and if somebody wants to say that U.S. foreign policy versus U.S. tax policy should be changed, where our foreign policy supports Israel, then just please say so. Um, it's clear to me, listening to the public comment that we heard 14 days ago, that the incredibly complicated situation that is transpiring right now got condensed down to a 100-word sign-on statement. And then it's been condensed down even further to what I believe are six words, six words that the petition does not say. The six words that I think the entire thing has been condensed down to are, babies are awesome, ceasefire now. I completely agree with the statement that babies are awesome, and I am grateful that skilled diplomats have hammered out the terms of conditions of the ceasefire that we have today. And that's what really counts, is the terms and conditions of the ceasefire that we have today. But again, this is above my pay grade and above the pay grade of Sunnyvale City Council. I spoke to DPS Chief No last week, and I'm sure that he can speak for the Department of Public Safety. The relevant council policy and operation here is SN3 of the general plan, and it says safe and secure city. Like I've said, everyone, every resident of Sunnyvale has the right to be safe and to feel safe. The bottom line that I heard 
from Chief Noe and my conversation with him, and again, the chief can speak for the Department of Public Safety, is that if any resident of the city of Sunnyvale feels unsafe for any reason, you can email Chief Noe directly at his city of Sunnyvale email address for any questions or concerns. And I'll take the liberty of reading out his email address here. It's pngo at sunnyvale.ca.gov. Um, the bottom line for me, as I've said, is that everybody in the city of Sunnyvale has the right to be safe and to feel safe. It's one of the most critical policies that we have in the city of Sunnyvale. I support it completely in terms of supporting staff, the Department of Public Safety, um, the Public Safety Officers Association, they do a great job. And to everybody that has spoken 14 days ago and is speaking here tonight, um, please work with the Department of Public Safety. There are incredible professionals and are dedicated to keeping Sunnyvale safe. Mayor Klein, thank you for the opportunity to speak. When we get back to other agenda items, I'll turn on my microphone later on for some routine business. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Mellinger. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. I have three specific things I'd like to do. Um, the first of which is I'd like to give a brief statement after what Councilmember Melton said. I don't have anything prepared, so I doubt I will be as eloquent. Um, but I am one of the council members that signed on to the statement uh, last month, I think it was last month, um, calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. And I want to explain my rationale why, and I want to talk a little bit about that decision. Um, so I want to be mindful of the First Amendment and the separation of church and state, but some personal background. Uh, there are two things that are worth knowing about me as I considered this statement. The first is that my grandfather, uh, Otto Hecht, was a Viennese Jew who fled for his life in 1938 to Switzerland, where he was interned for the duration of the war. Uh, his two brothers were both murdered by the Nazis. Um, so the first thing that I would like to say is, when I say I have absolutely no use whatsoever for Hamas, Please believe me, it is an evil organization. And I will not wax poetic on that fact, but there it is. Second, I was raised Catholic. Now my relationship with the Catholic Church is complex and is not a matter for a public meeting, but one of the key things uh, in Catholic moral teaching, which I was raised with, is the, the idea of the primacy of individual conscience which is that you are responsible not for following the teachings of the church per se, but for following the dictates of your well-informed conscience. Ultimately, that is what you are responsible for in that teaching, in those teachings. And so when I was elected, one of the things I told myself is that I am going to live by that diktat, that I am going to live by, you know, as much as I possibly humanly can, I'm going to follow my conscience. And so when I read the sign-on statement a few weeks ago, I read it very carefully. I looked at it and I said, there is nothing in this statement I object to. This statement, it feels like it would be a violation of my conscience to refuse to sign on to this statement. That it felt like it was 
short, condensed, imperfect though it may have been, the call to respect the lives of children in Gaza was something that I felt I could not in good conscience fail to sign on to. Now, I have heard a lot from the Israeli and Jewish community here in this city over the past few weeks. And one of the things as I reflect on this is that the chief problem with this statement wasn't what was in it, which is what I was looking for. I was looking at, is there objectionable content in this statement? It's what wasn't in the statement, right? It was that the statement did not call for a release of hostages, among other things. And that created this perception of unevenness, of a failure to recognize the hurt that is felt on all sides of this horrible war. And so I want to be very clear that yes, I condemn Hamas. It is an evil organization. It is a terrorist organization. The world would be better off without it. And yes, I call for the release of the hostages. I said there were two things. There's actually a third thing which is, and this gets to what Council Member Melton was saying. I did not run for Sunnyvale City Council to try to solve Middle East peace. I ran for, to do the things that you saw us do tonight, fairly boring things, adjusting city policy, approving a housing project, building bike lanes. And so when this started, I said, I am not going to be putting out any grand pronouncements or any big statements on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict when this started on October 7th. That's what I said to myself, that nothing I could say or do would make it better. And ultimately, I'm beginning to think that that was a mistake. Uh, so that is where I'm here tonight. Uh, saying all this. I want to say a couple other things. Um, this is not the only ongoing conflict in the world. Um, and it has generally been the practice of this city council not to take statements on international affairs, and that's a stance I agree with. Um, but there are wars raging that are throughout the world that are directly affecting Sunnyvale community members. Some of those conflicts include Syria, Myanmar, Libya, Sudan, Nagorno-Karabakh, and Ukraine, among many others. Um, many, many people have been killed, wounded, displaced, traumatized by these conflicts, and our hearts go out to all of them. But our role as city council members, as local leaders in the face of international conflict, is not and cannot be to attempt to solve those conflicts. That is beyond our competence and beyond our authority. Our role is to work to ensure that every member of our community is safe, that every member of our community feels welcome and valued, that residents have safe spaces to grieve and to find healing, that we foster an environment of peace, tolerance, and respect, that anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and other forms of bigotry do not find a home in our community, and that any hate crimes or incidents of bigotry are handled promptly, appropriately, and severely. I also want to say that I reaffirm my personal commitment to Sunnyvale's Statement of Values and Public Service, which I encourage everyone to read. Uh, 
and my door is always open. You can find my contact information on the city website. It's mellingercouncil at sunnyvale.ca.gov, uh, spelled the way it is on my nameplate right there. Um, that is the first thing. The second thing that I would like to say is I have an announcement that I had been hoping to give at last week's council meeting. However, uh, due to the uh, need to adjourn early, I was unable to give that. On November 2nd, I received an email from a member of the public which was addressed to six city council members, albeit one incorrectly. The email was one of several concerning whether the city council would consider adopting a resolution condemning Israel regarding the ongoing Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, when responding, which essentially very briefly restated my position that I did not believe it was appropriate for the city of Sunnyvale to be taking stances on matters of international affairs, I inadvertently hit the reply all button, which resulted in a quorum of the council learning of my position on the proposed resolution. In the interest of transparency, I want to put on the record my inadvertent mistake of communicating with a quorum of council on this matter. Furthermore, I wish to state that I have taken some measures to update my outlook configuration to make such mishaps less likely in the future. Uh, and so I want to throw that out there. Finally, third thing, I would like to request a council study session at some point probably in Q1 on the issue of hate crimes in the city of Sunnyvale. Uh, and this would be a presentation from DPS uh, focused on anti-Semitic, Islamophobic, and anti-Asian hate crimes, as well as any others that we have been seeing. We have had, uh, as I'm sure we're all aware, uh, numerous discussions and incidents over the past five years on the issue of hate crimes. And I would like a council study session on this um, to get information out and to see if any additional action uh, or policy course corrections are needed by this council. And I don't know if I need to ask for a vote on that or if that's something that could simply be done between the mayor and the city manager. Uh, we will, the, the city manager and I will talk about it, but yes, it makes sense. All right, thank you. Uh, that does it for me for non-agenda items and I thank my colleagues and members of the public for their indulgence. Thank you. Next up is Councilmember Srinivasan. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, wow, <laughs> I haven't prepared a speech, but I will uh, speak uh, whatever I am thinking here. First of all, the issue of Israel, Gaza, Palestine, and Gamas are so complicated. I, am, I follow them, but I am not competent to comment on that. And then as uh, Council Member Mellinger and uh, Council Member Melton said, th there are a lot of conflicts going on in the world. And then uh, I strongly condemn violence against uh, any innocent victims. I also condemn terrorism. But having said that, all this affects our residents, residents of Sunnyvale. I will work really hard to make sure that all of our residents are safe in our city. We will build a diverse and harmonious, peaceful and happiest city. That's what I will work for. Thank you very much. Thank you, Council Member. Council Member Sell. Hello, 
want to thank the public for um, making public comment today and, um, and meeting with the council members separately. Um, it has brought an understanding and it is an ugly situation that is unimaginable to have happened on October 7th. Um, I do not support Hamas. I do not support terrorism. I do not support the death of innocent people. And I do not, um, I think there needs to be accountability uh, for terrorist activities. I think our State Department is working with others to and foreign governments to try to bring the terrorists and bring the, bring the terrorists to accountability and bring the hostages back to their homes. And so I pray that that will continue. I'm a city council member in Sunnyvale. So my focus was narrow, just on Sunnyvale. But when residents came to me and in the comments said, we're worried, we're scared. We cannot practice our religion. Um, that is not a way to be living in Sunnyvale. So I appreciate you coming today. I appreciate you telling us your concerns. I appreciate you emailing. I appreciate you meeting with council members. And I do appreciate public safety and the council members that are working with public safety and the residents to chart a path so that we can all as a community, everyone in this community feel safe no matter what's happening in the world around us, that we will be safe in Sunnyvale. So thank you, keep working with us, keep your patience, and um, we will keep, keep going. Thank you, uh, Vice Mayor Dean. Thank you, uh, and I just, as I said at our last meeting, I believe our most important job on this council is to ensure every resident uh, especially our Jewish and Muslim residents, feel safe in Sunnyvale. I condemn the actions that Hamas took against innocent civilians on October 7th, and similarly hope the innocent hostages are safely released. I also continue to stand with the children of Gaza and believe that every innocent person in Gaza, the West Bank, and Israel deserves safety and security. Thank you. Thank you. And I've crafted a little bit of a response tonight, but I just wanna thank all the residents who, who came here and spoke you know, in defense of Israel and our Jewish, you know, Jewish residents. This week um, and two meetings ago, two meetings ago was a very difficult meeting for those of you that were here uh, or those of you who watched. Uh, it was, let's say, a, a rather tense meeting and you know, we, we hope that, that people feel safe in our community and what, you know, what that meeting was, um, definitely we felt, we felt it from a council standpoint, we felt it from a staff standpoint, and it's because it's, these issues are hitting people so close to their heart. And, you know, I, I just wanna first address people's concerns about safety. You know, I'm, I'm sorry if you feel unsafe, you know, safety is very personal, and you know, if you and your family aren't feeling safe in our community, um, if you're feeling unsafe in the Bay Area, but especially if you're feeling unsafe in Sunnyvale, it's it's not something you can rationalize. It's something you feel intrinsically. So, 
Sunnyvale is a very safe city, uh, but each person's safety is personal to that person. So, so those that are, are now afraid to you know, wear the Star of David within our community, I, I'm, I'm sorry that that's the case. You know, uh, you know, I've been a longtime supporter of the Jewish community in many ways. You know, as mayor, you know, we have the chief of public safety. I'm the cheer, chief cheerleader for the city, but I'm also the chief counselor for, for the city. You know, I've been trying to make the community feel safer, you know, working with the Hebrew Day School, uh, making sure that there's a public safety presence there at the synagogue. Um, working with, with city staff, trying to make sure that the fences can go up as quickly as possible to add additional safety measures. Um, meeting with people for coffee, on the phone, trying to keep up with the hundreds of emails that I've received as well as all of council received over the last month. You know, it's, it's we don't have staff, so just for those of you that, that ha don't have responses from council, um, Keep in mind that that we have one staff member who mainly focuses on member letters sent to council at sunnyvale.ca.gov, forwarding those on, dealing with letters that are sent to council, sent to the mayor, hard letters, old, old style letters. But the responses that you see from council are done by council. So if you haven't received a response, um, not that we're not listening, but the number, the, the deluge of emails that we get often prevents us from responding to each person. Um, you know, for, for me, uh, you know, I've talked with the chief, you know, several residents talked about tonight, and I've talked to several people in the last week about, you know, having a dialogue on safety. And so the chief, we will have a dialogue on safety with our Jewish and Israeli community. Uh, sometime in the next few weeks, uh, just to to figure out what you what you need to do, if you feel unsafe, what what VPS is there to help to help you, making sure that you feel safe um, at your home. And I'm sorry if you know I've heard from multiple residents that that are afraid to put up, you know, um, the menorah and other other items that that mark them as of the Jewish faith and. And I'm sorry if, you know, we have a very diverse community and that diversity is normally a strength. If you don't feel safe in your community, I, I, I'm sorry about that. Um, as for signing the, the, the Children of Gaza resolution, when, when I signed it, I didn't see it as one-sided. You know, I signed it only to maintain the humanitarian aid to Gaza children. You know, council members sign many things under free speech. You know, I've signed similar things for mayors against um, gun violence, mayors against illegal, illegal guns, mayors for universal basic income, all be signed, you know, personally as the mayor, not necessarily a stance the city has taken. And, you know, elected officials sign personally, um, and titles are, are used for basically identification purposes only. Sometimes those resolutions don't highlight that as much as they should, but, but much like the, the Children of Gaza resolution, the, that statement, um, it, you know, 
it was, if you take a look, um, identity or titles for, ide for identity purposes only. Um, they're not stances of the city itself. And, you know, nor me in my position as mayor um, or in the policies that, that I set for Sunnyvale. And, and you know, I basically I'm signing um, not as a public servant, but as a private, private resident. Um, you know, after hearing the response and coming to realize and understand how visceral that statement was seen by many of our Jewish and, and Israeli community, I, I would have asked for some additions. Uh, you know, definitely de-escalation, trying to, to reduce carnage, and most importantly, getting humanitarian aid into Gaza, I saw was critical. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I've personally called out Hamas as a terrorist organization in my social media, and its actions must be called out. You know, there were murders on October 7th. Um, those hostages were, were taken, and some of those images are, are heart-wrenching. It was, it was deplorable to, to see, you know, what was left behind. And, and, you know, as much as from the council tonight, we're talking about this under non-agenda items, um, it's, you know, I urge you to do what I've attempted to do, is talk to your senators, talk to your Congress members uh, who are setting U.S. policy and, set, and defining what the response is. You know, uh, the, the actions of a few cities in the Bay Area, um, either pro-Israel or pro-Palestine, um, I don't think, you know, this is, this is not city business. And, and, you know, I've talked to council members in other cities who are considering this and the actions that we saw two weeks ago um, that division, it only adds to the division within your community when you're trying to, you know, basically relegate something that's happening foreign, foreign, you know, foreign policy or national policy. You know, one of the things that we, one of the things that we did in this council um, seven years ago was, was do something, um, have a, ha basically make a resolution about Trump removing children at the border, the Trump administration moving children at the border. And ultimately, you know, yes, we did it. Uh, the previous mayor put it on the agenda. Um, and it brought out a lot of people that, that exactly much like the Gaza statement, how can, you, how can you decry providing humanitarian aid or in this case, or what the Trump administration do, was doing of removing children from their families at the border. Um, but it's trying to set policy for something that's national politics or, you know, in this case, you know, international politics. Um, but that's what our congressmen and senators Congress members and senators are there for. So I, I definitely urge you um, to, to look at that. And you know, for me, I'm thankful that some of the hostages have been released. Um, we're not to the end of that. And I'm, you know, I'm crossing my fingers that that moves forward faster. Um, all that being said, it's imperative for our residents to feel safe in our community. We, we have a diverse community, and I support all of, all of our community. Um, 
to try to feel safe. And I know I can't fix that. If I had a magic wand, that would be, you know, an easy sort of thing to do. But if you don't feel safe, it's even in, even in a very safe city, there's, there's nothing, you know, council can specifically do to, to change that. And, and so I, I'm, you know, my heart goes out to those residents with family right now and family and friends, you know, and talking to residents tonight who are serving internationally and or, or who are living in harm's way. This is a very difficult time for them. And, you know, for me, that, you know, that makes daily life difficult. You know, the number of residents that I've talked to that are very emotional on this matter is, you know, is numerous. And I've lost, you know, multiple, multiple people who said they would never vote for me because they thought I had no empathy. And for me, it's, it's um, difficult because, you know, to me, there's, there's right and wrong here. And it's been, you know, it's been a difficult path to talk about, you know, supporting Israel, which, which their response to getting the hostages back is completely correct. And, you know, for, from that standpoint, it became very difficult to hear from, from you know, residents that, that just trying to get the hostages back was a step, step too far. And so anyway, my, my heart goes out to those in our community that they're dealing with a difficult time right now. And from my standpoint, you know, I appreciate you coming here and to speak. Um, I'm sorry that we kept our, our oral communications very short tonight, but I think, you know, you, you made good use of that time. We're trying to get back, you know, we, we, I'll, I'll say we scared away multiple residents at our last meeting who were here to talk about city matters who didn't come back tonight, and I'm hoping that they will come back at a future meeting. Um, definitely if you were here and, and trying to um, speak, reach out to council, reach out to your council members, reach out to the mayor, send an email to council at sunnyvale.ca.gov, and hopefully, uh, we'll cover some of those matters that I spoke to a few members during one of our recesses last time. So uh, that was kind of my first statement. Um, I did have a few other things to cover. Um, let's see. At, oh, at, at one of our council meetings last month, I was, I was remote because I had just finished a visit to our sister city in Iska, Japan. Um, I visited Iska to celebrate our 10-year anniversary for them being part of our sister city relationship. You know, so I, I just want to thank Mark Cato and all the many volunteers and sponsors that that make the Sunnyvale Sister City Association so great. You know, the and it's ultimately the most successful sister Japanese sister city relationship in California just the number of residents that we've sent to Japan, the number of residents in Japan that have come here. You know, it's, it, it's, it's these programs that that cultural exchange has, has been proven to, and educational exchange has been proven to, to really improve the relationships between our two cities. And I hear from, you know, families when I visited there for the first time, 
to see you know them talking and their and their children talking about their wonderful memories of Sunnyvale. So you know, for me, it that pro this program really strengthens that sense of global community that we have. You know, with with education just beyond the classroom, uh, and those cultural ties that art that art exchange. You know, it really fosters interaction and understanding through through those exchanges, those cultural exchanges, and it has the potential for even more um, exchange of business and education. And so it was a great first visit to, to ISCA, and I just want to thank, you know, all the, all the residents that hosted, all the ISCA residents that hosted, um, our many Sunnyvale residents that went. We had about 40 residents go, and it was actually a great, a great experience from that standpoint, and some of them their first trip to Japan. And so many, many people opened up their homes, and I think that's been an overall positive thing about, about um, that, that program overall. Um, Through the mayor? Sure. Uh, thank you, and just a quick question for you and the chief. Uh, I'm very glad to hear you mention that idea of having that safety meeting uh, for our brothers and sisters in the Jewish community. I think that's a great use of our resources. Uh, I know that also many residents have, I've been speaking to have been talking about their fears similarly around uh, as much as the rise in anti-Semitism, also the rise in Islamophobia. Many are scared to wear the hijab or other cultural garbs. Could we, uh, would it be possible to do a similar meeting as well uh, with the Muslim community to make sure we're not also forgetting about some of the things dealing with there? I'm, I'm sure the chief would be happy to, to talk to his staff, so. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And likewise, I would support such a meeting as well. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Melton. Yeah, thank you, um, Mayor Klein. I wanted to um, invite Chief No to say um, any words that he feels is appropriate um, with regards to the current situation in Gaza and DPS's professional approach to public safety and what, Chief No, you would recommend any um, resident of the city of Sunnyvale who is feeling unsafe um, as a professional public safety officer and chief of the Department of Public Safety, uh, what you would recommend? Yeah, I think I've been very consistent since uh, my first day here as uh, Chief of the Department of Public Safety. I feel that our job as public safety officer, first and foremost, is to provide services to all of our residents and that we do not take a position one way or the other uh, because we want to be inclusive and, and that's the role of public safety. And so my general comment to all of our community members would be, uh, and this is for everyone, um, regardless of any situation that we're dealing with. If you feel unsafe, if you have any questions regarding your personal safety or public safety as a whole, as the Chief of the Department of Public Safety, um, I would be more than welcome to have a conversation with our community members. That, that's great, Chief No, Did I get your email address correct a little while back? I read it off as pngo at sunnyvale.ca.gov. That's correct. I, I'm... Uh, not trying to put you on the spot, but would it be okay if residents of Sunnyvale who were feeling unsafe in these days emailed you directly? 
I think residents have done that in the past, and so I don't see um, any particular issue with, uh, with that practice at all. I appreciate that, Chief. If there's a lot, it, it, there may be a delay in my response. Uh, understood. You have a great administrative <laughs> yeah, staff and um, three great deputy chiefs um, that work uh, in your organization, so we all understand that. And then I was just wondering if you could share some words, Chief, now about um, your philosophy of taking political statements. Right, Sunnyvale City Council is a political entity and we spent a lot of time talking about the sign-on bonus or I heard the mayor say, um, sign-on bonus, the sign-on petition. Uh, and I heard the, the mayor uh, talk about a post on social media. Um, I haven't seen anything like that from DPS and I was wondering if you could talk about your philosophy of making political statements or not making political statements, how that works in your organization. Yeah, we have no role in taking a political position. We're here to provide a service to all of our residents. Very good. Thank you. Um, thanks for that, Chief. Mayor Klein, I, I have some other city-type business that I wanted to talk about. I, I wanted to make sure that everybody could say whatever they wanted to say with regards to world events, so I'll just keep going if that's, yeah. if that's okay. So I think several of us have city events or city business, go ahead. So I, I wanna keep talking about DPS for a second, Chief, and I wanna throw um, some praise in, in your direction. Um, I've, I've said it before, um, and I think it's worth repeating. Every once in a while, um, there will be events that transpire in other cities that cause me to sit back and reflect uh, about whether something equivalent could happen in the city of Sunnyvale, and typically, um, they fall into three broad categories. Uh, category one of things that can go wrong in other cities are infrastructure failures, like a balcony or a bridge or something goes wrong. Um, category two is budget issues that can happen that can go wrong in other cities. And then the third category, which we saw about a year ago, is um, troubles with the police department or public safety department. And a recent example of that about a year ago was in Antioch. And that city has some issues that they have to deal with in their police department, and I know that they're gonna tackle it. And, and the thing that I wanted to say to you, Chief, is when I hear about issues like that in other cities, I spend 0.0 seconds worrying about something like that happening in the city of Sunnyvale. I don't spend any time worrying about what happened in Antioch happening in Sunnyvale DPS. And that's a testament, I think, to you, Chief, your leadership of Sunnyvale DPS, that of your command staff, of lieutenants, of all of our public safety officers, dispatchers, of um, professional support staff, just the entire DPS organization. So that's a, a piece of high level um, praise and credibility that I think all of Sunnyvale can have in the Department of Sunnyvale, uh, Department of Public Safety, that I feel. And I wanted to provide um, a specific example of that is that we have a lieutenant in the Department of Public Safety, Lieutenant Hutchison, who has made a name, of him, name for himself recently in solving cold cases. Um, it was about a year ago that he cracked the case of Karen Stitt, which was at um, Wolf and El Camino. She was abducted and murdered in 1982. That was a cold case that he cracked. And it's been a couple of meetings since we've been uh, had the opportunity to talk about um, council non-agenda items and comments, but 
um, since we've last been able to talk, it's been announced that um, Detective Hutchison solved the case of Estella Mena, who was murdered back in 1979. And not only is it remarkable that Detective Hutchison cracked the case, but it was revealed that the perpetrator of the murder died in a Colorado prison some number of decades ago. And the point that I'm getting to is, you could imagine, Chief No, an outcome where people would have just said, oh well, right, the perpetrator is long since gone and there's nothing that we can do about it. But what Sunnyvale did differently that I think is really remarkable, Chief No, is that we went to the extra step in working with uh, the county crime lab and going through all the procedurals on the DNA and conducting the full and thorough investigation to be able to make the announcement at the end that we've solved the cold case. We're not just leaving it as a semi-open question, but we went to the extra mile to provide um, that certainty to Estella's family um, and close the cold case. So I think that's really remarkable. And um, the final thing that I wanted to mention to you, Chief No, um, it caught my attention that um, within the last month or so there was a um, cluster of police officer suicides down in Los Angeles County, and I bet you're aware of this. Um, I, I want to say, as a council member of the city of Sunnyvale, um, that the well-being of all of our employees here in Sunnyvale, including and especially those in the Department of Public Safety, well-being including physical well-being, mental well-being, is of utmost importance, um, especially given um, the nature of the work that is taken um, and done by the Department of, of Public Safety. Um, so if there are any issues with emotional well-being, Chief No, of our officers or dispatchers or support staff in DPS, I know that you'll bring that to the office of the city manager for inclusion in a budget or being processed or dealt with or if somebody needs to bring that directly to individual council members, I would be open to that as well. It's that level of importance that I would take that as a council um, priority. And uh, the reason I felt comfortable bringing this up and saying this into a microphone is that we have um, a new officer in the Department of Public Safety who at the most recent JFA graduation, Chief No. Um, he's a lateral transfer from another law enforcement agency, so he has some seniority that he came to Sunnyvale with. He talked about that quite openly at the JFA graduation, and I felt a, a sense of um, that this was a good thing that we can talk about this openly and say that it's okay to ask for help, and it's okay, Chief, no, if you need to ask for additional resources for mental wellness or anybody in DPS or frankly anybody in the city of, uh, employees of the city of Sunnyvale. Um, so I applaud um, our newest officer at the JFA Academy for speaking about it candidly and I know you and I talked about it briefly in a recent meeting, Chief, and I just wanted to say all of that into a microphone um, to relay the sense of importance that I feel in all of that. So thank you for listening, Chief. Um, and. Mayor Klein, if it's okay, I'll just change gears completely and propose a study issue. Sure. Um, so I rise, um, and hopefully one of my colleagues will um, give me a second on this. I'd like to propose a study issue 
to modernize and strengthen Sunnyvale Municipal Code 10-16-120. And this is the one about parking cars for 72 hours and there's a statement at the end of um, 10.16.120 about um, evading the 72 hour requirements by moving a car a short distance. Um, and we've heard from members of the public that um, it could be time for Sunnyvale to strengthen 10.16.120 with regards to abandoned vehicles or vehicles that have been parked for more than 72 hours. And um, to my way of thinking, this would be an opportunity to tackle that via um, a study issue. Thank you, Councilmember Sell. Do you have comment? Uh, I have sponsor. a study issue that's similar to that, so it's I, I won't be seconding it. So it's an interesting, there's two study issues that are very similar. Um, council so I, I worked with Councilmember Sell with, on, what, on trying to help her with her study issue. Um, Councilmember Sell, it might be best for you to put up your proposal and see if, if they're merged. I think ultimately, I think they're both trying to do the same sort of thing. And you know, I think that if the city clerk, sorry to, to kind of co-opt this, but I think that as opposed to having dueling study issues, merging them into one makes the, makes the most sense. And, and um, I, I did not collaborate with any of the other council right. members. So I'm sorry if I'm stepping on any toes, council members. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you've pre presented to the city clerk. So council member Sell, do you want to speak? So, um, Yes, we'll pull up the proposal. Thank you. Okay, so um, I put a lot of thought into this. I've looked at other laws in other cities, and I've talked to the um, city manager about this, and I talked to John Nagel about this too, our, our attorney. So um, whatever we do to change our ordinance, the parking ordinance, likely staff, public safety, or whoever, um, will need to interview other public safety departments. And so while they're interviewing other public safety departments, um, looking at, just not a narrow focus, but looking at what other public safety departments or other um, traffic control people are doing that's effective might be good. So anyway, my um, study issue encompasses that. So it says, <clears throat> it's to evaluate ordinances. The title is evaluate ordinances from other cities and legal precedents with consideration for better shared parking practices in Sunnyvale. The problem is residents are concerned that parking in some Sunnyvale streets is frequently scarce and request that Sunnyvale Municipal Code could be compared to other cities. A study could evaluate ordinances from other cities, presidents with consideration for better shared parking practices. Some questions, which is similar to um, Council Member Melton's suggestion. Should the distance that a vehicle needs to move within a 72 hour period be identified? Um, another um, consideration as if they're talking to another public safety department to 
interview them. Some public safety departments have permits that are required for oversight vehicles to investigate if another public safety department thinks that it's effective or in, in complementary to number one. Should oversight vehicles be kept at defined spaces from schools and parks? Those are places where there would be a lot of people that would need to use um, the parking. So anyway, so my study issue involves if you're going to interview, research, ordinances, then to also look at best practices and do um, do what do what makes the most sense. So that's what my public my study issue is about. Councilmember Melton, I think that encompasses what you were doing with additional items on height and a few other things. Yeah, if um, it would be okay with Councilmember Sell, I, I agree with what I saw on the screen there. Um, if Councilmember Sell could um, concur with explicitly adding 10.16.120, and um, here's here's the one sentence that um, I think could be part of the study issue here. It's the final sentence in 1016.120, which I'm sure as the chief knows is this lengthy statement about 72 hours, uh, you can't park in the same spot, and if you're in the same spot, you have to move to a different place. Anyway, there's a sentence here at the end. It says, additionally, successive acts of parking shall be presumed to be a single act of parking within the meaning of this section when the vehicle is moved merely for the purpose of avoiding the parking limitations prescribed by this section. And that's what we refer to when this topic comes up as the whack-a-mole uh, 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 piece of the ordinance, right? You can't just be moving your vehicle a short distance to um, evade the requirements or evade the vehicle abatement officer. I'm not, I'm not sure I saw 1016.120 specifically mentioned in the study issue, and I'd, <laughs> I'd like to see it there. So if you yeah. could add, Council Member Sell, item four, which is modernization of 1016.120 as part of what you have there. Um, okay. I think that I, would be I great. I thought that would be part of number one, but we could add a number four to look at that. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. So with that, I'm happy to co-sponsor and thank you for your okay. leadership on that council member cell. Okay, and are there you. additional co-sponsors I'm happy to co-sponsor? Vice Mayor Dean? Also happy to co-sponsor. Okay, thank you very much. I would be willing oh. to. <laughs> thank I, you, Councilmember Mellinger. Council I would be willing to conditionally oh. co-sponsor if a fifth point were added to evaluate our standards for a neighborhood to apply for the parking permit program. Yeah, I would accept that. I, this is a question oh. to, sorry. Okay. Um, uh, should we ask city manager? For those that have already seconded, it's, it's a little odd. Um, to, the, to the city manager, we, it's how, what's, there's a big difference between looking at an ordinance and looking at the, it's, and it's also different groups. I could do that as a separate study issue. I would, if we yeah. think that's better. I would suggest that if you're going to do that. All right, I'll, I will co-sponsor, but expect a study issue on parking the parking permit program because I think that might be a better angle to come at this from. The, the, yes, and we could discuss that at at a future at a future yes. meeting and you know come up with wording and all that that you'd Absolutely. like to see. Absolutely, thank, thank you. you. Councilmember Srinivasan, 
co-sponsor. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you for the co-sponsorships and thank you for the additions. Um, appreciate it. Okay, Mayor Klein, through through the mayor, I didn't hear whether you individually. I did co-sponsoring. Co okay. Yes. Great. Anything else, Councilmember Sell? Um, no, that sounds fine. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. And uh, city clerk, if you could pull up the study issue that I had. And uh, this, my, my proposed study issue is to discuss uh, and basically look at the, the benefits and the costs of of doing project labor um, agreements, you know, I've you know other cities are have passed these agreements, and what this has done from a construction standpoint has been, you know, positive at least from what I've heard from residents and from um, different groups, and so from that standpoint, it's it's basically creating a study issue to evaluate the use of of um, PLAs and and looking at what other public agencies have done as far as requirements, implementation, enforcement results. Uh, and, you know, I think to me that's, it's um, trying to look at our, looking at best practices from a city standpoint. Uh, Council Member Sell. Um, I would co-sponsor it. Thank you. I think um, efficient use of our public resources is important. So if it turns out that the study might show that project labor agreements might make things more efficient, then that would be a good thing. Also, it would be an unbiased study, so it would show um, if there were detrimental effects too. So I would appreciate um, a study on this. Thank you, Council Member. Council Member Mellinger. Co-sponsor. Thank you. Vice Mayor Dean. Co-sponsor. Council Member Srinivasan. Co-sponsor. Co-sponsor. Okay. And Councilmember Melton, co-sponsor. Thank you. And Councilmember Sell? Okay. Any other non-agenda items? Okay. Um, city manager. Well, uh, oh. council members, um, just a note. You did have a, a couple of colleagues' memos oh, that sorry, move forward to this agenda item, this council meeting. Sorry, I skipped too far forward in my agenda, in my in my packet. Um, so yeah, next up is item F twenty three dash ten eighty nine colleague memorandum real property transfer tax. Um, is there a motion from my colleagues to agendize the real property transfer tax? Uh, Councilmember Mellinger, so moved. I'm happy, um, sorry, Vice Mayor Dean? Uh, I was thinking about seconding, but honestly, no. it sounded like you were, I might actually, it might even be better because I know the, no, it's, it's the colleague's memo process he signed on, so I'm gonna lower my hand. Okay, so I'm happy to second that motion, you know, and thank you for, for um, Council Member Mellinger and allowing me to work with you on the wording of that. Um, City Clerk, can you please conduct a roll call vote? Oh, sure, absolutely. Councilmember Melton. Yeah, we can. How many do non agenda, like make the motion for 
Can we, sorry, um, if we're asking questions, can we, thank oh, you, have sorry. A, a mic. P point of order, I, not yeah. to, sorry to throw this wrench into it, but I know when we do non-agenda comments and we make that motion to agendize without colleagues memo, we're not allowed to do advocacy because of the Brown Act, so how does the Brown Act interplay with something like this? Can we do advocacy or are we supposed to go straight into a vote, no discussion? Oops. And, and any discussion on a non-agenda item just needs to be brief and to the point of agendizing it rather than getting into the substance of the benefit of a, imposing a real property transfer tax. Thank you, City Attorney. Good. Thank you. What? Through, through the mayor, what is the motion? The motion is to agendize the, uh, basically agendize uh, the a future council meeting agenda item for the real property transfer tax as outlined in the oh, okay. Okay, I got it. I'll still do some uh, brief advocacy, I think is what I heard the, the um, city attorney tell me. Uh, I'll be voting no on this. I'll be happy to elaborate whenever this comes back to city council. I wanted to express uh, immense gratitude to Mayor Klein and Councilmember Melton for including the fact that the city faces long-term pressure on revenue from an unfunded pension liability. And you know what they always say, colleagues, the first step in solving a problem is that you have to acknowledge the existence of the problem. So I really appreciate that the mayor and council member Mellinger mentioned the existence of the unfunded pension liability, um, but I'll still be voting no on the motion to agendize. Thank you. Thank you. And I also, I, and just as a, as a um, short comment, I just wanna thank um, Councilmember Mellinger for, for taking the effort with this item. You know, it was, um, it was something that was pretty much left undone a year ago. And so I, I appreciate, you know, uh, working to better frame the, frame the question for when this, is, when this comes back to Council. Uh, and with that, City Clerk, please conduct a roll call. First up, Mayor Klein, how do you vote? Yes. Councilmember Srinivasan? Yes. Vice Mayor Dean? Yes. Councilmember Melton? No. Councilmember Sell? Yes. Councilmember Mellinger? Yes. The motion passes 5-1 with Councilmember Melton voting no and Councilmember Cisneros absent. Thank you. And we'll move on to item 23-1070, a colleague's memo on impaneling a charter review commission. Vice Mayor Dean? Thank you, I move agendizing the substance of what's outlined in the memo. I don't think we moved the memo itself, correct? No. Yeah, okay. Count, Council Member Mellinger. Second, with the uh, amend, amendment to replace the word commission with committee, yeah. which is uh, a good catch from the city manager's office. That's true. Approve, or I don't know if I even can approve. <laughs> yes. I don't know, we're yes. in parliamentary it's weird zone. Yes. Any other Mr. Mayor? advocacy? Mr. Mayor, Councilmember, oh. if I may, on the first one, we don't have a date, which is fine because it's not as time sensitive. On this one, there are some time sensitive issues and I think it would be helpful either for the council to specify a specific date um, so that we would, if we did agendize it, there would be enough time for the city manager and city staff to be able to provide information, but at the same time realize that this would have to be approved by council uh, in June or July of 2024. 
but I, I think both ballot. items are that are if you from the from the contents of the memo, both of them are time sensitive from a city manager standpoint. So I leave it up. I don't. I think it's better to leave it to the city manager to to find the soonest meeting that just makes sense. So for both of these items, and as opposed to let's say pre, um, choosing a meeting, which was always a problem from a city manager standpoint, unless the city manager has a meeting that he would like to see this at. I, I would prefer the flexibility to work with staff. Um, these are both time sensitive issues and we will bring them back as soon as possible. I think the real property transfer tax has more initial analysis to be done, um, but we will bring these back uh, early in 2024. Thank you. Councilmember Mellinger. Through, through the mayor. Yes. Oh, sorry, I just wanted to chime in that I agree with what I just heard from you and the city manager and I think uh, giving that flexibility is the right move, so I, I say we just go into a vote on it. Thank you. Councilmember Melton. Um, yeah. Let me turn on my microphone. I'm wondering, um, I understand this is a motion to agendize, which of itself creates work for staff. I also understand um, that the last motion, which has been agendized and I voted no on it, will then launch an even more significant bit of work for staff. This one, a charter review commission, probably this motion will carry, and that's gonna create even more, even more work for staff right on the cusp of 2024, both of which are time-sensitive concepts for the November 2024 election. So there's a ton of potential work embedded in these two agenda items, all with deadlines pertaining to November 2024. And I understand these are just motions to agendize, but this would be a real time for staff um, to express any concerns to council about the fact that we're about to take on two really big whoppers here. Um, and I don't know if um, staff will turn on their microphone or not, but that's informing my decision and um, I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. Okay. Council Member Mellinger. I think uh, just speaking very briefly to the point of whether to agendize, a big part of what I would expect from the staff report on the previous item and on this item were it to be agendized would be to be an analysis of the workload impact. I am fully confident in staff's ability to agendize these items for initial discussion without major impact to our ongoing priorities. Whether we choose to proceed with these items will be dependent on the analysis provided by staff on the impact on the workload. Uh, but I don't think, I trust staff to give us that analysis and I think I trust this body to consider it carefully and appropriately. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, City Clerk, can you please conduct a roll call vote? First up, Mayor Klein, how do you vote? Yes. Councilmember Srinivasan. Yes. Vice Mayor Dean. Yes. Councilmember Melton. Yes. Councilmember Mellinger. Yes. Councilmember Sell. Yes. The motion carries 6-0 with Councilmember Cisneros absent. Thank you. And 
before we get to the city manager comments, not agenda comments, I just wanted to, which, which he might be referring to, but I just want to encourage residents and council to go through the National Citizen Survey results that's in our info information only section of our, of our agenda tonight. Um, it's a lot of reading and I've only been able to skim it so far, but uh, definitely it's, it's, a, it's a process that every two years we, we evaluate you know, randomly um, 2,000 plus residents trying to get a better feel for how they feel about the city. Um, and ultimately uh, from, from that standpoint, I think it, it does reflect, you know, um, it has some interesting takeaways and I think that, that doing a deeper dive from all of us um, and then bringing it up with the city manager would be a positive thing. But, but I do think that it's, there's a lot of good information there and it's just digging through that to see trends and how people are feeling about their community and also kind of the interesting thing of COVID, non-COVID, kind of pre-COVID and, and our post-COVID world, wherever, whatever we're living in right now. So, so I, I encourage residents as well as, as our other council members to kind of go through that data. And with that, City Manager, do you have any non-agenda items? Well, I would have, Mayor, but you stole my thunder oh. about the National oh. Citizen Just Survey. I, I will mention that, um, you know, we do that every two years. It's a scientific study. There's lots of good questions, and, and it's benchmarked nationally. So these same questions are asked to dozens of cities around the country every year. And so there's a, a elaborate database of how communities typically respond and where Sunnyvale falls, whether we're above the national average, consistent with national average, or below. Really insightful. I think we did well uh, with uh, how residents are feeling about Sunnyvale, uh, but it does elaborate on some of the challenges we have and some of the things we're, we're doing well. So thanks for mentioning it. Thank you. Sorry, sorry for, for stealing your thunder. Um, with that, we will move to adjournment. Thank you, everyone, for getting through our all of our business tonight. Uh, this meeting is adjourned at 10.37. Uh, thank you for everyone who was here. Good night. <laughs>